5: Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tomorrow's Mega Millions jackpot is over 300 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player prizes.
8: Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passions. And that's what I'm going to do for you by inviting guests on the show. I want you to stop tripping over small challenges and prepare to rise above the bigger obstacles that life will present to you. Every Thursday, my next guest uploads a podcast entitled Silence is Not an Option. It's a new weekly podcast series that he hosts. He can also be seen weekday during primetime hosting CNN tonight. The podcast Silence is Not an Option embarks on tough, honest and provocative conversation with activists, artists and thinkers, offering perspective about the nation's deep racial divide while exploring what Americans can do to help find a path forward. He is no stranger to success. Ebony Magazine named him as one of Ebony Power 150. He has won an Edwin R. Murrow Award for his coverage of the capture of the Washington, D.C. Snipers. He's won an Emmy for a special report on real estate in Chicagoland, AIDS epidemic in Africa, and Hurricane Katrina. He's also won three more local Emmys. On CNN Tonight, he is known for holding politicians and public officials accountable. He earned a degree in broadcast journalism from Brooklyn College and also attended LSU. He's on the show to talk about his podcast and the power of not remaining silent. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, a voice for black America, Don Lemon.
5: Oh, thank you. Wow. What an introduction. I need you to introduce me every night on my show.
8: Well, they do a great job of doing that, my friend, when I watch <laughs> you. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, I, I met you a long time ago uh, when I was still managing Steve Harvey and the early years when you was, uh, you know, that's one we say we all find in our way. We all, you know, we all, uh, he came by the radio station and we sat down and we talked. Of course, you probably don't remember. You meet a lot of people over your journeys. But my first impression when I met you, a friend of mine, Noni Nicholas, that introduced us, was that uh, you were a person who wanted to do great things in life. Explain to us, who who is Don Lemon? We see you on TV, but who are you before we get into the podcast?
5: uh, Well, I am a truth teller and I'm someone who tries to uh, inform people. I've always been curious about life. And, um, I just, that's it. I just think I'm a truth teller. And then, that's it.
8: so, you know, the pandemic hit and then, I, then amidst mm-hmm. all this, you know, we can't do anything, but stay home and watch, especially when they right. had this the nationwide shutdown. When did the concept of a podcast start to brew and started and then became a reality?
5: Uh, it started after, right after George Floyd, mm-hmm. and we started tackling all these really tough things, conversations about race. People started asking me questions. What should I do? Um, you're on the forefront. You're at the matrix of this situation. I don't know what to do. Can you please help me out? And, and then I just, you know, I figured someone, I, I, I was actually writing an email to CNN uh, to ask them to start a podcast. And lo and behold, I opened up my email and they were, they sent me an email saying, hey, Would you like to do a podcast? So so as they call it, serendipity. Oh, like
8: uh, a great minds think alike. That's another phrase that they could use because great minds think. You know, I've listened to your podcast and it's really, you know, uh, you know, I do a podcast and Mm -hmm. it's not. But your podcast feels visual. It, it, it feels it like a, it feels very visual and especially opening and you have such a great uh, tone to your voice and you're a great storyteller. W- was that the goal? Because, you know, I, I sit up, you know, you know, we all into audio books. We all into the but, the, but the opening always feels like I can see the imagery of your of what you're trying to set before we actually get into the actual interview process. Talk about the whole production. And was that your vision or did other people come in and say, can we do it this way? And you had some
5: suggestions. So the whole podcast world was, was something that was new to me. So I let the producers take the lead, but they go on the vision, pretty much the vision that I had. I told them what I expected out of the podcast, what I wanted to talk to people about some of the subjects and, and topics that I wanted to cover. Mm-hmm. And so they went from there, but I mean, the the producers are really good. I'm glad you, you said that, um, that it's, it feels visual to you because, that's quite an accomplishment when it comes to, to audio, as you know, having worked in radio.
8: Oh, you know, that's the interesting part about it, because the fact that, you know, you're on TV every night. Your, your 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 image, your look, your your voice. You know, your voice is becoming is starting to become such a, a commonplace in society that you know you can probably start talking in a room and somebody says, "Is that Don Lemon talking?" Because they know your tone, they know they know they know the, the the credibility of your addiction, and so that's why it was important to me. I said, "Well, I see him every every. I see, visually see him, and then when I went to the podcast, I went, wow. He still is achieving that visual concept that his voice is telling a story that is very colorful, and how you open up mm-hmm. with these interviews and, uh, and these and these short uh, these short visual uh, storytelling moments is really important to setting the tone for your actual podcast. That's really really a dynamic that I think is a uh, it's not really uh, it's not really normal in the audio podcast world.
5: Oh wow! Well. Uh, that's the first time I'm hearing that. So
7: Come <laughs> on, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm
8: not, I think I'm a very creative guy, but I do know exceptionally good produced quality and you are a guy who's popular. You're a guy who can't, let's put it this way, man. You have a credibility, a brand that cannot be, cannot be messed with, you know, because you know, when you go to CNN, you have that model there and we and, and you know on right. CNN there's a certain degree of programming. When you get in the podcast world, you got people smoking weed doing shows, you got people you got people having sex shows, you have all kinds of shows <laughs> out there in the podcast world.
5: Well, <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Cause, Come on. Cuz I definitely <laughs> cause I definitely would like to to hear and see some of that. <laughs> you know, oh, no. I, was just, I was just I wasn't it wasn't a podcast, but I was listening I was watching um uh, a Netflix thing on, on healing and, right. um, and mm-hmm. there was one on on Patrick sex and I'm like wow man they're talking about everything out here now and absolutely the, the visuals were amazing right? you
8: think they're talking about it on Netflix go to the podcast world and it's on fire out there it's on fire out there And so that's what I'm saying is that it's important that your brand translate in this world of anything goes you know this is like because nobody nobody basically has a has a has this, this disclaimer sometimes to be able to take content down you have YouTube subscribers you have you have a lot of things out there people and so that podcast was the wild, wild west of entertainment. And so you wanted to be entertainment, but you also wanted to be informative, and also you wanted to be responsible. So when you came up with the title, the title, which is so important, you know, Silas is not an option. What was the basis of that title?
5: Well, the the basis was in this moment when we have, when we're talking about, you know, this George Floyd moment,
9: mm-hmm.
5: um, when you have all these issues happening, when you have people wanting um, uh, equality, right. uh, justice, racial justice, criminal justice, so on and so forth, is that you couldn't sit around and no one should sit around and be silent about it. Right. Uh, no person who is, who has a position of power, no white person or black person, if you feel, if you feel that you, if you're an American,
9: mm-hmm. then
5: you have a responsibility in this moment right. to speak <laughs> out and to, um, and to talk about this because race is, is the, race is the third rail. In American culture, you know, you touch it; it's a hot button. It's a hot rail. You're going to get shot. Right. And people, people want to, people want to have these conversations, but they're afraid to. They're afraid of, of being, um, uh, of being judged. They're afraid they're going to say something stupid. They're afraid of someone calling them a racist, and so on and so forth. And I don't think that I don't think that you should um, feel that way in this moment. I think it's time for all of us to let our guards down a little bit, to give people, um, to cut people some slack. And to talk about these things, and in, in order to talk, in order to, to change, you got to listen, and you have to speak. You got to ask questions. So, yeah. in this moment, silence is not an option, and that's how that came about.
8: And it's brilliant. Um, were you surprised, as as I was, the the, the doing the, the marches, the protest marches, the turnout of white participants?
5: Um. Yes and no. Okay. I was surprised that I was I was. I was actually surprised that people um, that people actually did it for so long. Because, and I was surprised that they were doing it in the middle of a pandemic. right. Was I surprised that we had um, in, in the moment that was you know, watching someone basically lose their life in front of our very eyes on, on, you know, on television, you know you had Amon Arbery first mm-hmm. and then you had um, and so many before, but I mean just in, in recent. You know, in the recent months, you had a, modern a recent ride a recent
8: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. And, so, and then you had George Floyd. And I wasn't surprised that th- that would disgust anyone. And young people, um, you know, they don't feel the way us old folks feel. Mm-hmm. They're, they're ready. They're ready for this to be over with. They're ready for for the most part, if they're not being brainwashed by their their parents or some political uh, party or organization, they're ready for this whole race thing to be done with. And I mean, and in a way that we not just like, not just say, okay, let's get this over with, but in a way that we tackle it, we deal with the issues and we stop, you know, we stop being racist. I'm not surprised to see so many people who are not of color, so many different ethnicities out right. there. I was just surprised that they were out there in the middle of a pandemic.
8: And still out there and still out there. And then yes, certain and still cities, are out there. When I look at Portland, yeah. I go, okay, well, I've been to Portland. I've been to Seattle. The, the black populations aren't the, aren't uh, there with Black Lives Matter movement. And then you realize that the, the, the younger white generation is saying, OK, enough is enough. We see, we saw. What don't you see? Why don't you understand right. these, these things that are happening? And when you when you talk about how do you pick your subject matter or your interviews for your show? And we're talking to Don Lemon. He's the host of the very hot, very hot, hot podcast. Silence is not an option. How do you how do you select your interviews?
5: Um, again, a collaborative effort, but we talk. You usually talk about the issues that are out there. I mean, mine. Um, it's easy, and then it's hard because it's easy in that we know that uh, that we our subject is going to be something that is that relates to race, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and it's also easy in the sense that I feel that race touches almost every subject in America. If you if you look at Wall Street, if you look at finance, if you look at mortgages, if you look at healthcare, if you no, no matter what it is, I think race. Uh, plays a factor if you look at policing race plays a factor if you look at sports race plays a factor so we know that we're going to be talking about the subject of race in whatever realm we may want to do it and so um really we talk about the issues at hand so now we have the sports world trying to figure out what they're going to do about covid and then you also have them trying to figure out what they're going to do about justice and so you've got all these players now who are feeling empowered so we talk about sports uh the podcast that's out now is with legendary journalist Bill Roden, where we talk about, uh, sports. And he very provocative question that he raised during the podcast was, was integration good for black people and for black athletes and for black colleges? And, and I'm like, whoa, that was really profound. And we discussed that. Uh, we talk about, um, education, the race, the, the role race plays in education. That's one of our podcasts. Now we're this, the subject that's coming up this week. We're going to talk about, um, environmental justice right mm-hmm. what how does race play a role in environmental justice do mm-hmm. do people of color live in places that aren't environmentally friendly to them that causes them to get sick um that may you know they may be in a food desert and and so on and so forth, but we have to figure out a way the tough part is making those subjects interesting enough that people want to tune in and listen to them and again, I have to say. I have to get my producers because you, you still think it's going to be visual um, right. on subjects that people may not, you know, they may not be so um, interesting to people in the moment. Uh, but it's good that you feel that way when you listen. To well, it. So that's f- how that's it's easy and it's hard.
7: We'll be right back with more from Rashad McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial. Cars today are
8: like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work. Work, and car Shield takes care of the rest they also offer complimentary 24 7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed car Shield is america's number one auto protection company for as low as 99 dollars a month you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code money m-o-n-e-y or visit carshield.com and use code money M-O-N-E-Y, to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code money. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Well, the thing about it is that we all know, you know, you are a face, but you win with great teammates. And the teammates are the producers and the people who follow your vision. Oh, and, yeah. and one of the things about that that I love watching, about, watching you on TV is that, you know, your face tells a story, too, you know, watching you. Because, you know, You know, if if it bothers you, your face can sometimes, at least when I'm watching you, can tell me, okay, he's not liking this or he or he's annoyed by this. And but it also it shows that your face can also show that you that you care. Your face can also show that you're happy. Your face, your face can Mm -hmm. also show that you are disappointed. Is that just natural? uh, Just Don Lemon being Don Lemon?
5: Well, yeah, that's me. Rashawn, listen, I have to say, you know, when I first started to and, you know, you you would know this from from. You know, being in the business, you want to be perfect, you want everything to be you know I got to get this perfect. I have to read this perfectly. I, think, right. you know, I can't portray anything I, I decided the 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 more I became me or let me shine on television where there's no difference between me on TV and off TV, the more successful I became, the more people started to tune into my show, the 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 stronger and louder and bigger my voice became, and I said, "Wow, all I have to do is just be me." Because not a lot of people can do that on in, in this industry. They think that they have to be someone else, they have to be perfect, they gotta be a robot, they gotta do this, they gotta do that. When all you have to do is really just be you, be authentic, and and try to and try to portray what's right in the world right even when people are against you then you'll be successful
8: we know that's perfect because I always tell people if you're gonna lose lose being you if you fall down you can get up but if somebody you was making believe, it's harder to get up because you don't have people you know you don't have the puppet screens anymore once you get cut you have to be able to stand on your own two feet and there's a classic example I was watching the the night that uh, Kamala Harris was uh, announced as the running mate for Joe Biden, and you came on the air, and like, you like you you broke that wall. You said, "Look, I'm gonna do something a little different tonight." You know, um, uh, I have six sisters. And you know, one of your sisters would have been sixty-one, and uh, and you were saying mm-hmm. that you you know black women being recognized and have been the backbone of the Democratic Party. Uh, Trump does not poll well with women, and that was a moment when I'm talking about when you said, you know, something I can be Don Lemon. I can say this. I can I I can mm-hmm. articulate this relationship I have emotionally and how I feel about the announcement of Kamala Harris. That's what you're talking about when you're saying when people listen to the show, we all can be great actors, but in the end, it's who we are that's going to create sustainability and create the relationship of longevity in this business. Can you articulate on that?
5: Yeah, well, and it, but it's also too, I mean, it, it's also like an actor. It's a, and I would say, and I don't mean like I'm acting or faking, it's like a performance. You have to be able to, any performer, even if you're being yourself, you got to be able to hold the audience, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be able to sit or stand in your power. Uh, and um, and realize and, and own whatever platform it is that you have. So I can sit there. I feel, you know, that I've gotten to a point where I don't have to fill dead air. Like I'm not worried about quiet. You know, silence is not an option in the podcast. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about uh, silence on television. Sometimes that speaks more than filling it with words. That's something that I learned. Like when I'm sitting there and I'm trying to get my thoughts together, and right. I go, huh. How do I say this? Wait, let me think about this. One right and that's what you did when you, you're when quiet you, and you're when quiet. You,
8: yeah, yeah. And that's what you did when you when you made that, like I always say, broke that third wall. Bring that wall of okay. Yeah. I am about to this. This is not on. This is not on a teleprompter. OK, I'm sorry, guys. I, I just I got to say this because emotionally everybody knows me. I'm a, you know, we're fans of you. But the, the be done lemon. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to ask this general question because I, I, I manage a lot of talented people who are, reach superstar level and but in the entertainment side. and But you're in the uh, news side, you're in the side where um, you, you're, you know, sometimes your credibility can be questioned. Sometimes uh, when you make a statement and it's the right statement, it can be questioned. How do you be how do you maintain who Don Lemon is, and then maintain the message you're trying to deliver every night on CNN tonight.
5: Um, oof. Well, I, I I realize that I have um, I have a great I have a great responsibility, mm-hmm. and I realize that I am I am lucky enough and blessed enough to be able to have this platform, and so the only thing that I can do with it is speak the truth, my truth, I should say. Right. And, but my truth may not always be yours. And so I, you know, and, and so if you, well, you know, if you want to criticize me or what have you, then that's all part of the gig. Right. But I think the best thing I do is I learned that it's, I don't take anything personally because most people who are, if they want to be critical, they don't really know me. And the more critical you are of me, uh, the, you know, whether you critical in a good way or in a bad way, that means that, that, that shows you the, how big my voice is and my platform is and how powerful it is and how much you're tuning in because people will tune in to people they don't agree with or people they as you know from being in the business hate watch or hate listen people absolutely. who hate you will listen to you or watch you more than people who like you absolutely because they need that they need to be fueled by it. they're like oh my god it pisses me off and so um you know they they need that stimulus so I don't take it personally and I just speak my truth and I try to speak for the the person who doesn't really have a voice and for the people, for the people who don't have a platform. And I speak for the everyday people. And you know, right now, you know, it, it's, it's crazy, Rashawn, because everybody's calling me, not everybody, but the people who are mad at me because I have silence. I say silence is not an option. I speak up on issues of race that I'm a race baiter. I'm a racist. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, if you read the blogs and you read any of the, of the, you know, press, I'm a racist. Why are you always talking about race? Why do you hate the white man? Why do you? I don't hate anybody. I'm just speaking the truth and people get mad. Mm-hmm. A, a white broadcaster can say the same thing I say and will not get criticized, but for me, because I'm black, I get it especially from the bigots.
8: Absolutely. And I I get it and I respect you. That's why the questions that I answer, I'm a black man and I know the type of business that you're in. I know the the level that you are when you when you because you are allowing yourself to be yourself in a CNN format. And when you slide over to this podcast world, this is actually a voice that you can dictate and control. And that's when the criticism, mm-hmm. the stings can come even stronger. We're talking to Don Lemon. He's an amazing uh, podcast called Silence is Not an Option. Every Thursday he drops a new show. There's a couple of things I want to ask you before we wrap up. That really on the COVID-19 side. Uh, early on in the COVID-19, uh, I was watching you and a lady called, you uh, was interviewing a lady and she had told you that eight out of 10 Black people who are hospitalized in Atlanta, I don't know if you remember this interview, had COVID-19. I'm going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. When when um you had a stunned look on your face, if you just saw my face, it would have matched it. I just could not believe that number. Mm-hmm. And so when you mm-hmm. get live, because I'm sure you get prepped for the shows. But when you get information like that, that sounds so incredible that eight out of ten Covid 19 patients that were hospitalized in the city of Atlanta were African American. How do you compartmentalize that and then to go and still deliver what you have to deliver to the American people?
5: <laughs> I have to keep my composure. Number one, you know, I, I got bills. Right. But number, number two, I, I've got to keep my composure so that I can convey I can convey it to the folks at home. But but I'm honest. I was honestly shocked. Like you, I'm like, wait, wait, what?
8: That's what you did. You went, you, you went, and I was like, I was, I was like, I, 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 could not. I, in fact, I'm gonna tell you something. We gonna, I want you to continue. But I actually came to work the next day. I went, I'm watching Don Lemon, and he has some lady on talking about eight out of ten, black people in, in uh, who had COVID nineteen in Atlanta, were, were were black, and they, were, and mm-hmm. I, then, I, then, I opened the AJC, which is the Atlanta Journal of Constitution, and it was true. You, mm-hmm. I got to play that out behind closed doors in front of my employees. You get to play that out on national TV with a person in a kind of, in a zoom TV. I remember the, the, the the clarity wasn't that good. It was cause she had a bad zoom camera and here Mm -hmm. you are on national TV going really? I just first time I've heard of any incredible information like that. Now you can continue.
5: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because it is. And I figure you know, and that's the same way I ask questions that I'm asking. I, I try to sit there like a viewer, right? And like people at home, because people at home want to know, like, you know, they're getting the, i I may have been prepped for it by producers, right? A lot of it, some of it, you know, a lot of it is also happening live. And I don't, you know, and I'll tell you, I'm getting this information when you're getting it. So you, 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 you know, bear with me, but, um, Yeah, because I'm speaking for the people at home. I'm asking questions for the people at home, just like you, Rashawn, the people who are listening to to us now. Those are the questions that I ask. Again, that's why I don't sit there and try to be perfect, like, you know when people, when your mom says, "Act like you've been somewhere." Right. Okay, I get that, <laughs> but sometimes you really haven't been somewhere, and you just have to. <laughs> right? and, I just have to say, I I have never been here, and I'm taking you here with me.
8: And guess what? I was alone for the ride, and I was like, I was, I was, I was so traumatized by the information. I actually tuned out the rest of the interview. I was like, "This is crazy." I went to those terminologies, those level of, of terms. Like, no way, no way. How could this be? Mm-hmm. And then, then you realize, okay. That then as you start playing off, you do the research, you realize that, you know, the COVID-19 was uh, uh, overtly affecting the people of color, people in the black community. And uh, and, and and then the, and this, the White House had nothing to say but whatever. And that also affects you emotionally. And then I want to fast forward to a recent interview, I believe last week, where you was interviewing this family. I believe it was in Florida and the husband and the, and, and the, her father in law. Had died from COVID-19. Right. You was interviewing the family.
5: Yeah. It was the children's dad and granddad. They were both doctors. Yes. And they both c- contracted um, COVID and they both died, father and son. And I think they died a couple of days apart in the hospital.
8: I'm going to tell you something, done. I know that was a difficult interview. I, it, at times. Yeah, it you, you know, you know, I, I, And so I, I wanted to bring that up in, in my interview with you just to show you the range you know, the range. Sometimes you can get get lost in this information pool and just be doing your job to see that here at the, at the height, at the very beginning of unknown, you find out that 80 percent of the people in COVID patients in, in Atlanta, Georgia were African-Americans. And then you do an interview last week a white family, attractive white family, because you mentioned that in your interview. And mm-hmm. they and they were doctors, and they still were victims of COVID nineteen, and we still have people out here, you know, condemning masks, calling it a fraud, and all that. But you have to hold it together, and you have to be that that sustained. Voice of reason, of credibility, and information—that's a tremendous burden, Don. I—I'm not trying to weigh you down, my friend, but I have to give you respect because I love you, man. And I, and you can't—you can't stop. You can't stop. I won't let you stop, man. I—I I support you to the mountaintop because you are taking us there. And I just wanted to just talk about that range when you, from 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 that that black information that the at the beginning of COVID and we at the peak of COVID right now. And you're talking with the father and grandfather. Give us that. Give us that. That in, in the middle of all that, George Floyd.
5: Yeah, uh, and 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 George Floyd. But I mean, listen, you gotta. I, I, this is I gotta I'm, be honest with you. I've never. I don't. Nobody's gone through this before. I've never dealt with this before. Right. With anything like like this, with the with the race issue to this level, with the you know people being sick, obviously at home. Listen, a lot of people don't even know where their next meal is coming from. You've seen the lines out there for the, the food banks and, and mm-hmm. what have you. People at home, they don't even know if they're going to be able to pay their bills. They don't know if they're going to get evicted. They have no idea. This is unprecedented times. And then we have an administration who's pretending that it's not happening, who's also trying to restrict uh, voting rights and suppress votes. This is an unprecedented time. I want to I sit in my bed and not get out and pull the covers up and you know close the curtains, but I can't. I've got to I, I, – like you said – you don't want to bring me down, but that that's the responsibility I took on with this platform, and I have to bring it to people now, and I think it's even more important. It's never been a more important time to be a journalist in this country. And either you're going to do it right or or wrong. And I I hope I'm doing it the right way.
8: You're doing it great. Uh, You you state this is a statement that came from your people. America is in crisis right now. A lot of people want to help but have no idea where to start. In our new podcast, we're going to dig deep into the reality of being black and brown in America and explore what you can do to help find a path forward. We'll have tough conversations with activists, thinkers, and leaders. I love that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar interview that you've done. But more importantly... Mm -hmm we get to rebuild america together don i want to i want to thank you for taking the time to allow me to have an honest conversation with don lemon okay <laughs> <laughs>
5: allowing me to do this as well. And I know you've been trying to get me for a while and I I had some scheduling issues, but I wanted to make sure that I I got on to speak with you and I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to your...
8: And be safe. And always know you got an advocate out here, man. And we're going to promote you and keep you at the front lines of information and also let you understand that your support group is very, very strong. There are haters, but the line of lovers, when I say lovers, I mean people who advocate what you stand for, advocate your voice and uplift what you're trying to do for us every night on TV and on your very, very successful podcast. Silence is not an option. Keep going and keep dropping them every Thursday, okay?
5: Thank you very much, brother. I really appreciate it. You take care and you be safe, okay? I will. Love to you. Thank you.
0: It's finally here, the season of celebration. And no matter how you celebrate with family and friends, whether you're preparing for Reyes Magos or Karamu, lighting the menorah, or going to Midnight Mass,
4: This report is brought to you by Northwestern Medicine. Organ donations save lives, and some organs can even be donated by a living donor. August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month, so let's check in with Dr. Danae Simpson, Assistant Professor of Surgery at Northwestern Medicine. Tell us about the African American Transplant Access Program. So This is
2: My Baby. This is a program that I have dreamt about creating since I became interested in transplant as a trainee. and It's a program designed to address the significant disparities that our African-American patients face. The program is designed to educate patients about transplant, let them know what transplant can provide to them, and to help them access the resources that they find so scarce and so challenging to access in order to get them on the transplant path and back to, you know, some type of meaningful life.
4: For more information, visit nm.org
8: slash radio. My next guest is a Grammy Award-winning artist, songwriter, producer, actress, and philanthropist. What started as a willpower challenge in 2014, the vegan lifestyle has improved her mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical state. Over the past four years, she has hosted monthly vegan challenges online accompanied by her Vegan Transition Guide a free starter guide for people interested in transitioning to a vegan lifestyle. She has celebrated 22 years as an internationally known singer, songwriter, producer, dancer, choreographer, actor, activist, and philanthropist. She is on the show to maybe maybe help me curb my bad eating habits, because I can tell you something. I, I will start every dinner with a good old ice cream, a good old cookie, a good old piece of dessert that has, you know, milk and eggs in it. She's inspired to make people like me do better because she may have found the fountain of youth. We also will talk about her role in the second season of the popular Fifth war drama now streaming on UMC.TV network. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Maya.
1: Hello there. How
8: are you? Well, I had a lot to say about you, Maya, before we got started, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was
2: a handful, a mouthful.
8: All you know, good. Well, that's what happens when you've been out there for twenty-two years, my friend. <laughs> that's a blessing,
2: you well, know. It, it
8: really is, you know, because you know we all start out. I can I can think back because I my I started out at IBM. I was my degrees in mathematics, and then I wanted to be a stand-up comic, and I and I left IBM to pursue a career as a stand-up comic, and. You know, those, All we. it was so far away where I wanted to be. In fact, where I am right now, I didn't even see myself being at this point. All I wanted to do was just be successful. And at the age of 18, all you wanted to be successful. Talk about those early years of, of reaching that success. And then we'll talk about, you know, finding yourself as to where you are right now today.
1: Well, I started out as a child of the arts and it's something that I just love to do. Outside of school, of course, but I was also involved in gospel choir Mm -hmm. and the orchestra and the dance team at school. Mm -hmm. And those were the highlights of my day because kids would come together for a common goal, whether it was to compete or perform or put something together ourselves to showcase. And it was all love, all great synergy, all common goal and uh, about success. But we had to have discipline. And so, my early years from four years on, four years old on, was shaped by the arts. But also, I come from a very musical and artistic family. So, I was always around it and always, uh, I would say, given examples of what to strive for and to be. Uh, My father is a musician who inspired me greatly. Um, ever since I could remember as a little girl, there were always musicians in the living room or the garage rehearsing for his gigs. He's been in the studio. I had some early ex- experiences in my childhood just going to right. the studio to watch him record. Watched him put out vinyl and press it himself on his own label, get his songs on the radio, regionally or locally, and hustle and grind. So I've always looked up to my dad in that aspect. But singing is just something and music is something that I've always been involved in through the arts, but with family ties as well. There was never a day without music. So I just kind of fell into it. And the record deal came first because I was initially going to pursue Broadway, which was acting, singing, dancing, choreography, et cetera. Um, So it just so happened. The record deal came first and I still want to do theater passionately. Um, But, yes, it is a very competitive business. It does take a lot of rehearsing, perfecting your craft, and also business before your art, often in the field of business. You know, it's all fun and games and shows to the viewer, but there's so much legality involved. Just one thing.
8: (laughs) You know, know, (laughs) know, hearing you talk, you're absolutely right. The business side pops up into the whole process, but I think that my early years and uh, as I went through is trying to control my own destiny, you know, trying to control my own Mm -hmm. up and go to bed time. And so that's the most frustrating thing, I think, when you get into entertainment is because it's not like a, a regular nine to five job. You know, you you go to work at nine, you get off at five, you go to sleep, you wake up, you go to work at nine. You go up the next day, something you may have prepared to do may not happen. It might not happen for months because somebody changed it or uh, a record label closed or the person you're going to do the duet with or the, or the show with or the role with the opted out of it. So do you feel at this point in your life you have more control of your life, even though the success you had was so immediate and so amazing at the age of 18?
1: Well, it's something that I've always loved, you know, backtracking, regardless of the business that has to be done. That's required in every field or every profession, Mm -hmm. obviously. Uh, But that's never deterred me, and that was my point. I'm still here, and I've learned the business as an independent label, as an independent artist that signs to her own label. I've had to learn the business, so now I have more value as not just an artist, but a complete entity that... Know the ropes, and I'm still learning, you know, I'm always a student, but I've learned so much more on the business side, and it's actually inspired me and made me more passionate about music, because now I have the freedom to do whatever I'd like creatively, but also protect my art and protect my heart, uh, so it's a great place to be, especially now in the social media days, and nothing is going to stop me, because yes, um, labels have definitely transitioned, and they've been through layoffs or merging with each other as you see the airlines and many corporations doing these days because that's just the way of today, mountizing. And obviously some technology has replaced a lot of people. Or increased sales um, in the old way means physical copies and record stores have closed. But so I've also watched the transition from my first album being on cassette tape or recording to tape itself versus digital, you know, from tools or anything like that. And here we are today doing albums on laptop wherever you are in the world and mixing and mastering either it on your own and then distributing it on your own. There's so many new ways and it's very exciting. So. I transition with the times as well on the business front, but there's always something around the corner, new to learn, a new app, you know, to be aware of. It's hard to keep up.
8: It's great to have you back on my show to talk about your wonderful career. Twenty-two years in the business—you celebrated this year. Now, when you talk about that, your Planet Nine—it's really amazing that. A lot of times when we see things that we're doing as we get older, you really saw it when we were younger. we just taking, because your father was an independent guy who went out there, dropped his own later, did all the recording. Was that an inspiration
1: for Planet Nine? Uh, I wasn't even thinking about all of that that I'd witnessed Mm -hmm. when I created Planet Nine, but it's always been in me. So subconsciously, I'm sure it had... A play. When I released, well, when I was recording my fourth album, the release date got pushed back upon its release, and I was signed to Motown within the Universal System at that time. And when it got pushed back, it accidentally released in the furthest territory of our globe, which is Japan, right. which is like a day ahead. And right. so there was a leak there. And from there, the album leaked everywhere, online, on YouTube, et cetera, and so now people had it for free. And that was a big financial hit to the record label, So they of the album. And my lawyer said that, okay, it's technically out in the marketplace right now, which means uh, you can get your back-end advance if you take them to court, or you can just leave that alone and go independent. So I didn't feel like spending a year or a year and a half or even funds Um, To try to get money, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and I just moved on and that's how Planet Nine was birthed. I started studying astronomy and getting into a spiritual place and creating my own laws, my own rules, my own timeline that didn't operate. Uh, you know, with the timeline that everyone else had uh, enforced upon me on Earth. <laughs> so know, basically, you're basically
8: you were to... controlling your life, your destiny. That's what I'm talking yes. about. It. You know, you. Controlling my life, cre-
1: creating mm-hmm. my own world. And that own world was an own planet. And. That's how Planet Nine was born, through the beginning of my independent journey, where I had to become everything, and I had to dictate everything, but also become my own disciplinarian, my own financier, my own bank manager, lawyer, whatever it took. And here I am, you know, in the 13th year of my independent journey and nine independent uh,
8: projects. Now, you know, to go independent, you, you don't do this by yourself. So I'm assuming that you had to have people around you that understood your vision, vision that woke up or awake when you needed them to be awake and believed in you and move forward. Well, did you have to reformulate or create a new team when you decided to create this level of independency for your own career and for you personally?
1: Well, I had already had my creative team, meaning my musicians mm-hmm. and dancers as well as engineers, et cetera, and my own studio. In 2005, I moved from California back home to my roots to take care of family, to start my nonprofit organization. And, you know, my brother built my studio for me. I became a teacher and developed all the curriculum in the arts and tech program, the Maya Arts and Tech Foundation. And so I did that for years at home prior to a break and a split with my Label Motown in 2007. So I already had a team that I was touring with, but they were out of my hometown. So it felt like family. And, you know, that was a great cushion to have because I needed them more than ever. And they also relied on me. At the same time, so we hit the road, you know, and that's how I grinded for years to fund my project, and I still still do for all of my projects, but at least they were in place, but I was self-managed, and I had learned a lot, you know, doing independent before I became independent to get my vision across when I was, you know, with a, a major label, and Francis actually inspired me because in 2004, I saw him live, and he inspired me to really focus on building a team where right. I I felt, you know, they wouldn't be hop, skipping and jumping between artists to artists with no passion, but just a paycheck. And so that's why I developed a team in my hometown and, you know, we're still rocking to this day.
8: Uh, and, and sounding great at it. Um, Maya, when you, when you, when you look at, um, cause you're, you know, when I listen, <laughs> I listen to list artists, songwriter, producer, actress, philanthropist. Now, Let's transition to the role that you've been playing for the last two seasons on Fifth Ward. Greg Carter, who I've been knowing since 1992. Jaylene, I've been knowing her since 1992. Carl Anthony. uh, So there's so many people on that show that I know. How did you get involved and get the opportunity? Because that shoots in Houston, Texas. And you already said your base is Washington, D.C. How did Maya get an opportunity or learn about the casting opportunities for this series that shot in Houston called Fifth Ward?
1: Well, I have my own management company, Hugh Entertainment, and basically it's all over my website, social media, and they reached out to my manager, and uh, I read the script. I read the script, and I was blown away. It kept my attention. It was a one-take read. I didn't deter away from the script. It caught my attention, and it felt like real life. You know, that we don't necessarily often get to see on television. And I do have ties with Hip 4 because that's where I recorded one of my second independent projects, uh, Beauty in the Streets Mixtape Volume 1. And I met with Jay Prince and we started doing business together in right. 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I recorded that whole album out there and we partnered up. Independently and push that out between Rap-A-Lot, Young Empire and Planet Nine. And so getting to spend that amount of time, but also teaming up with uh, artists from Houston, Texas, all over that mixtape. You know, it felt like a second home for a while. So right. I, uh, in, in, in any
8: favorite? Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm born and raised. In fact, I was born in Fifth Ward, by the way. And yeah. Houston, Texas. So any favorite eating spots in Houston that you've uh, learned to like?
1: <laughs> we actually went to Papados quite often. Oh, come on and I think it was... Uh, I now. think it was Joe Crab or Crab Shack or something like that way back when I was not vegan. <laughs> mm-hmm.
8: Yes. Well, you hit two of them right there, but Papa Dough, Come on now.
1: Papa Dose. I used to get well, crawfish from there all the time,
8: yeah. Yeah, kangaroo and um, Papa Doe. Yeah. Well, uh,
1: you know, because, oh,
8: yeah, so, you know, I, I wanted to ahead. transition that, that, that food conversation that we've been okay. having right now. Do's <laughs> is not the the place that... Now, when you went to Papado's, what did you eat? Because you're vegan. So in, in a, when you walk in that restaurant, that's a good starting point. And you're vegan, you're going to a place, a popular restaurant like Do's. What, what, what does a Maya, a vegan, eat?
1: I don't know, because I haven't been back since. But when I was not vegan, I was having mashed potatoes oh. and, you know, all mm-hmm. uh, the carbs, mm-hmm. <laughs> the dirty rice, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and the crawfish. Mm-hmm. But now, I'm sure I would have a salad and I would have to take the cheese off,
9: mm-hmm. you know, no
1: meat, of course, and veganize it. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure they have broccoli or corn on the side and all the side dishes you can probably have without the butter. You Right. Know? <laughs> <laughs> right,
8: right, right. Now let's let's go to this book that that, that may change my life because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sincere person. I'm I'm the worst eating person that you can come into because of the fact that I don't follow the rules. I um I will eat ice cream when I feel like it. I will eat a donut. I have Krispy Kreme on an app on my phone, by the way, Maya. So just in case I a just want to find out where if the lights on, so I can just drop by there and pick me up a couple of donuts <laughs> uh, and some milk. And so your book here, you know which began as, as you said, what began as one of my many willpower challenges in 2014, quickly evolved Mm -hmm. into a permanent vegan lifestyle change through education and awareness. Now, when you say willpower challenges, what are willpower challenges? It's the first time I've ever heard anybody say that, willpower challenges.
1: Well, I started these willpower challenges in 2007 when I became independent. And I knew that I would need to begin to trust myself, but also master myself, every part of myself and become my own trainer, nutritionist, everything, because there was no longer the support or budget there from a major label to do those things for me. And so I had to become those things. And in order for me to become those things, I had to instill discipline. So I would strip something away from my life every year for 365 days or do these crazy things like run a marathon with no training, 26.2 miles or, you know, these master cleanses for 10 days straight, no food. Come on, come on. Hold on. Now, now,
8: now, now, Miss in shape here now. You just said you <laughs> ran a marathon with no training. You just, 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 just up and just start running. That's what you just said,
1: Maya. I mean, you're supposed to train for eight months before you run a 26.2 mile marathon. Right. And I had two months to try to get it together because two months prior, I just decided I was going to go ahead and run after ankle surgery because my doctor told me not to. (laughs) And I knew that I could do it with my mind. And that year I was vegetarian, but I put myself through pain. I also condition myself with these types of things because I know I'm going to need it in life but I also do a lot of stripping away of the things that I do like because a lot of the things that I like are not necessarily good for me and so if I can let go of the things that I really like, then I won't overreact when something is stripped away from me. So it's mental conditioning really and that allows me to succeed but also take the blows a lot easier and then start over again. You know, from nothing or not knowing something, and become a student and remain a student and stay and these
8: home. Are, these so. are these are a series of willpower challenges. Well, you just challenge yourself. Yes. Well, you go. You look yes. in the mirror and go, "Hey, I'm going to do this because I, I like yes. that. I like that's a, that's a potential book for you. You know that, right?" Maybe. <laughs> uh, on now. We're going to talk about this other book that I'm reading here that you're giving away for free that you need to be charging people for. You know, obviously, well, not.
1: you know, this is a. I want people to have the information. And it's not quite a book yet, but it's a it, vegan it's a, starter guide. It's a, it's a, it's a young lady <laughs>
8: called JJ Smith selling like 3 million copies of green smoothies. And yeah. it's not even thicker than this, okay?
1: But that's okay because I, I'm planning on I'm going to be recording an audio book for this guy. You go.
8: You
9: know,
1: people have, people like to listen versus read sometimes. Oh, absolutely. And both will be available. But because I'm so passionate and this information is everywhere, but people often ask me questions about how to go vegan. Why to go vegan? Um, this is too difficult. Can I go vegan on a budget? Can I go vegan if I have family members that don't want to go vegan? How do I make my family go vegan? I wanted a uh, place that people could go to to answer all of these questions instead of me typing paragraphs you know on social media all day and I just give them the link because I really do want to offer this information that's free and available everywhere else and that's because I'm just passionate and it's done so much for me and it's no secret really, but there needs to be one place with all of this information. So that's how it started and I usually use it as, an, as a tool for the vegan challenges that I do monthly online. Okay. To help people further, you know. Okay, cool. What they like to
8: do. Well, you know, I, the name of the show is Money Making Conversations, Maya. Okay, just <laughs> let you know. I'm just being consistent with you now, Roshan yes, McDonald. This is how I talk now. If I see an opportunity to make money, I will. And I will and tell somebody, hey, this is the money making opportunity here. But of course, yeah. you you've told me, Roshan.
1: this look, is the work. This is this the thing. This is also me being a student. And becoming a teacher simultaneously. So I'm also learning while people are asking me questions. And so now it's propelling me into this space.
2: This is me doing my homework.
8: (laughs) When I see a book like this, first of all, it's informative. Secondly, we're in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. And when the the COVID-19 pandemic hit, it obviously stated that uh, people of color, black and brown, are overtly affected by COVID-19. I remember when the CDC announced in Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm based, it said 80 percent of the hospital cases for COVID-19 the first week that they started making the information public were African-Americans. And then mm-hmm. they turned around, and they said, and then I started reading your book and you're saying that being a vegan can help you because you said you state that you have seen countless suffer from of your people, you know, uh, countless mm-hmm. for diabetes, cancer, obesity, clogged arteries, high blood pressure, heart disease. This is all what's really, basically, either causing African Americans or people of color to get sick or dying from COVID nineteen. Has because of COVID nineteen, have has has it been a major push towards you to get information because you are an expert at this, and and I brought you really on the show to we'll talk about fear forward, but also talk about. This whole vegan lifestyle, which can, because we have always noticed that people of color have always been uh, dramatically criticized for our eating habits.
1: Well, that is not our fault. And because of slavery, you know, black folks, we have had to basically take what is left over, the scraps and the remains, and make do with that and that is where we are plagued with issues because we've been taken out of our environment excuse me we've been taken out of our environment away from our natural sunlight vitamin d away from our natural foods which is not accessible here in america unless you were already here as a native american you know my my grandmother was a chocolate american indian and so you know there's been a lot of confusion about that too but that's a whole nother conversation Anyhow, we don't have access. We are no longer living in nature. We're Mm -hmm. no longer living near the equator. So we've been given things that our bodies are not made for. That's number one, geographically and based on habitat. And so, of course, our bodies are going to react accordingly. If we're not in the sun as people, like we need to be, Uh, biologically speaking, and then we suffer as well. Our immune system is compromised. And so going back to nature and when I say vegan, that doesn't necessarily mean healthy, but that's the starting point, plant-based stuff, because what's happening our food system and meat in particular, even the FDA says, you know, processed meat is causing cancer in right. humans and, and pets. <laughs> right. You know, I've lost three animals to cancer and I'm sure that's your reason. So... You have that factor, but then you also have everything, that I mentioned regarding habitat and access. And then you have economic issues where in the hood, they put liquor stores, you know, and markets and fast food restaurants, not whole foods. So we have a lot of things that are backwards, but it's been designed that way for us to fail. And then we also have habits that we've adopted not too long ago from slavery that are hard to break. You know the white sugar and everything.
8: But you have a but you As, have a potential plan here, though, Maya, that can yes, help us.
1: and and how that do, is let me, let the you, vegan Let me ask you because
8: you, you, <laughs> you, you're, you're high profile, you're, you're a celebrity, you're a star, and uh, a star in the African American community. All right, how do we? You know, I'm not saying it's not out there. It, you know, Rashawn just coming to the table. I've always been a fan of your brand. Just the first time I've heard the vegan side of your brand. How do we help? get this information out there, would you be in the face of it? How can I do that? How can Rashawn McDonald help you?
1: Well, the starter guide is available at mayamaya.com forward slash lifestyle. My social media page is Maya planet nine. That's with the number nine. And I conduct monthly challenges that everyone globally can participate in. I have lots of incentives and send you lots of goodies, including my, free wine, a virtual meet and greet. And sometimes when the world is open, I do one-on-one time, cook for the winners. Also, we've gone on retreats in the past, and I'm planning on another one, of course, when COVID-19, et cetera, is over. But that's what you can do. Just spread the word. Okay. The starter kit is let free me help you out here. Let and available. Okay, I, I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not
9: Maya, but, I, I, but I'm not
8: Maya. I got about a social, about a million social media followers. Can I, can I put your vegan starter kit on my social media?
9: You absolutely cool. can. Cool.
8: Now it's on available. Wednesday, this Wednesday, I, I have a fan club list that goes out to ninety three thousand fan club members. Can I drop it mm-hmm. in there? with your picture sure okay absolutely. cool so we got so two things so I'm, I'm two for two so far with maya because you know when i when i look at this I say, what do vegans eat fruit that's me figs that's me vegetables nuts seeds uh you know that i'm i'm, I'm all up in, there, in that first part you know so then they said what vegans don't eat and they go into you know land mammals cow lamb goat pig see right there pig is pork ribs for me see That right there. That's when you start losing Rashawn McDonald. Chicken and turkey. I had that this weekend.
10: But here's the good
1: news. Hmm? Here's the good news, though. You don't have to give up anything that you already like to go vegan because there's a plant-based version now available everywhere. But also, you can make with the beans, the nuts, the seeds, and some nice flour like spelt flour. Or coconut flour, chickpea, chickpea flour, some alternatives to the white flour. Mm-hmm. this wild rice, this black rice that's better for you. Wow, superfood, ancient grain that's better for you than the white rice. So, like I said before, vegan doesn't necessarily always mean healthy because there's a lot of junk food that's vegan. You know, those yeah. vegan donuts, vegan fries. Did you say? Ju- did you say stuff, but- junk food? You say junk food. I've there's
8: never heard of, of junk yeah. food and vegan tied in the same thing There's sentence. a
1: whole lot of junk food that's oh, vegan, there's chocolate kidding.
8: cakes, we, we, there's donuts, but vegan we about We're about to have a relationship here now, Mike. You said the word <laughs> junk food and vegan at the same time.
1: But, but you can have vegan mac and cheese. You can okay. have Vegan version of pollen greens. You can have vegan candied yams. We're just replacing the animal fat-based butter with a vegan butter that's made from plants It tastes exactly the same. Okay, let me ask you this, butter. let me ask you
8: this, Mike, because I'm having mm-hmm. a good time with you. I hope you're enjoying this interview because I'm having a good time. We have a good yeah. personality by it. Wait, okay. Now, <laughs> do you do you have any videos where you cook stuff?
1: I actually did my very first virtual cooking session okay. online last okay. Saturday. How how was the response? How I'm was the reaction? Be, how, what oh did my you goodness, do? it was sold out. It was sold out. Okay,
8: wait, wait, okay. That. First of all, stop by <laughs> Stop, 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 stop. You you too much. You too much now. Okay, now. Okay, you said online and you so did you do a Zoom registration? What did you do?
1: Yes. You? Okay, so I am a member of a platform called Candy and you can find them at meet Candy on Instagram. And basically they sent out a letter newsletter a flyer I also post it I invite people to come to the virtual cooking session there's a link meatcandy.com forward slash celebrities forward slash cook with Maya it's how you book your space it's only exclusive and limited to 20 people on Zoom at a time mm-hmm. and so I give them two weeks to sign up and what I do is craft a whole recipe as well as ingredients and tool supply kit list I just posted it. It's on my Instagram page, but it's okay. my last post. But mm-hmm. I send them all the ingredients that they get in advance. We make an appetizer, a main course, and a dessert live together. But they get all the stuff in advance so that they can go shopping and we can cook simultaneously together. The first hour spent cooking and preparing everything. And then we eat together for the next 30 minutes, talk, chop it up. And then the last 30 minutes are spent with a and a
8: OK, cool. Let, let, come on on. Let, 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 I got to slow you down. Slow you down. See, see, now you are OK. Now. <laughs> see, you and me, we're going to get along. I know we're going to get along. This ain't going to be our last call. It's not going to be our last call yet, because of the fact that what you're doing is a whole game. See, he, you're looking at a guy now who during the pandemic, I actually planted. You know sage and dill and jalapeno mm-hmm. peppers and tomatoes in my in some pot, flower pots in my backyard. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm leaning in that direction, and I was stunned at the harvest that I get every day from my backyard. Now I'm now ready for right? okra next year. I'm ready for oh, me man. some cucumbers. I'm really yes. planning stuff for next year. And so, That's so with amazing. that, being, so so I hear you talking about now. I got to ask this question, not to be embarrassed, not to say, Can you cook though? My, are you? Oh my one?
1: goodness, I put my foot in my food. Okay, People cool. don't even know it's vegan when I put it in You're it's talking spicy. noise, you're talking noise. I know you're an actress, you know. My family, you can overly I'm embellish
8: disability and I'm stuff like that.
1: You. Okay, cool. okay. I'm telling you, all my friends. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is good. My family who eats everything that I don't eat anymore. Because I just went to your social media. Said. I'm just telling you
8: this. I'm just telling you this. I'm just telling you <laughs> this right now, Mike. I just went to your social media, okay? You have a Twitter mm-hmm. and you have an Instagram. That's all I found, Twitter and Instagram. I didn't see uh-huh. no pictures of food. I didn't see what? no pictures of you holding food. I didn't see no you pictures of you left. eating food. I didn't, none. You of that and, left. And, you, and then you're going go, to you go, I put my foot in it. This is what I do Rashawn. See I see that's like You talking see? smack To me Maya No I don't talk
1: smack I back it up With okay, action cool. okay, I am cool. a
8: walker Not a talker Okay okay <laughs> I see a lot of Good looking photos of you I just don't see A lot of good looking photos Of you eating Or sitting down at the table Because you go to my website At Rashawn McDonald. Not my website but Go to Rashawn If you have time I'm not you're busy Just go to At Rashawn McDonald. <laughs> you gonna see pies You are gonna see food You are gonna get hungry looking at my timeline. I'm just going to tell you, People tell you us. Gotta to... swipe
1: left. Huh? Go to my last post and swipe left to see okay. what I made. Okay. You're cool. going to see all this goodness and
8: mm-hmm. it's healthy. And it's healthy. Because <laughs> because see, I want to, because see, like in
1: my, because every on Monday
8: I do all my recordings for my my podcast, Money Making Conversation. And I bring uh-huh. the fruit. I bring nuts. You know, in a little small jar, I have watermelon, I have grapes, I have bananas with me and all that good stuff. I eat some uh-huh. cornbread and a little red berry cupcake already. But you know, I have mm-hmm. to deal like that. But you say right here, dairy and egg free pancakes and waffles, French toast and donuts. Dairy and egg free. Pa- You've made these? You made some good tasting
1: dairy-free pancakes, yes. Maya. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know why? Because there's plant-based milk. is almond, coconut, cashew, hemp, and even oat milk. Oat milk is my favorite milk. And so I use that because the dairy industry is, first of all, cruel, but they also put antibiotics, steroids, all in that and there's plenty of hormones and it's supposed to grow a baby calf to 500 pounds in one year and that's why our kids are getting breasts at 9 years old and all kinds of other stuff and it's just a very cool industry when you really understand what really happens behind closed doors and so I am spiritually a vegan because of what I do know which most people are not taught but also the effects that it has on the human body and there are plant based alternatives which are much healthier for you and won't lead to cancer And for egg substitute, there's all kinds of egg substitute products that are egg-free. You know, eggs have high cholesterol, and that's a big problem in my family and community. And I want to avoid that and break the generational curse, but also that industry is full of cruelty as well. And that's all in my starter guide. I'm
8: not gonna say too much about it. Well, all I, all, all I know is that uh, Maya. <laughs> okay, you, I'm a fan now. Okay, I've always been a fan, <laughs> but I'm like now you got me in the the you know the side of the table. I'm sitting at the table eating with you now. I'm Here, now I'm just gonna tell you a little back story, Rashawn. I I have a new office in Atlanta, Georgia. It has a fully built out kitchen. Okay, and the mm-hmm. reason I built that fully built out that kitchen was that you know I'm a I'm an award winning baker. Like I said, you go to average yes. McDonald. You'll see your boy can throw down. You talking about putting your foot all in it? I put my foot all in it too. I can't <laughs> dance like you, but I be slug- I be turning my foot up in there too. Okay, so just to, just th- throw a little smack talk back in your direction about what I can <laughs> it's do. Not in smack the- smack the- talk over here, oh. it's real talk. Okay, see, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, so so when we when we get this calmed down a little bit, when we feel comfortable <laughs> with each other. And you, yep. you you, may be coming into Atlanta acting uh, opportunities, or you might be visiting. You got to come by my office, okay? And so mm-hmm. we can talk about this, because you are a walking, talking TV show. You got the person. We're going to cook. We You're a beautiful person. Talk. And we're going to cook. I'm going to cook, cook with Sean way, and you, go, Maya's going to cook her way, and we're going to see what's going to go down. How about that? How about that? Is that all right? That's fine with me. Cool. I, I won't hold you in long. <laughs> I, I really, I really appreciate you calling in on my show, Money Making Conversation, Maya. And I'm yeah. serious. You're so talented, and you're so wonderful. You and the things that you're doing in life, and we so need. What you're talking about from a dietary standpoint. We as African-Americans, we as people of color have to change our, our eating habits. The pandemic has told us this. We've said this. We've always had that running joke in our community that we have to eat better. We've always had running blood that we got the sugars, that you know we obese, we have clogging arteries, all these things. They're not jokes anymore because COVID-19 is proven to be the truth. And I want to thank you because I will support you this week. If the i'll go out on my mailing list this wednesday it will go on my social media this week because your brand is a very positive brand and i want to keep supporting this all right with you maya
1: i appreciate that yes and i send you my support as well how can i support you further
8: Okay, now, as long as you just stop sp- talking smack because until I eat something that you eat I'm going to just tell you right now Mike you are just on the just uh oh she just she just talks smack you I have to eventually eat something or put me in that little sold out class that you did and I can watch you do your thing and do me a favor start putting more food on your social media and all that because we need to know you got the founder you you talking about this makes you look good you're not mad at nobody anymore since you've been a vegan you don't have depression because you're a vegan I need to to see more food on your site, young lady, okay?
10: It's all over my page. What okay. are you doing? I'm, I'm going I'm going, right <laughs> I'm going right
8: Bye, big time. We talk soon. I appreciate you.
10: All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Care. thank you
11: Thank you. Okay. So we have the car payment, the rent, utilities,
12: and the repair bill. Oh, <sighs> what should we do? I know. I'm going to CashnetUSA.com. I can apply in minutes, get an instant decision, and if approved, we could have the money in our account as soon as the same business day.
7: When you need money fast, be the hero. Go to CashNetUSA.com to apply for the money you need now. The exact timing as to when your loan funds will be available will be determined by your banking institution.
11: And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go. Almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double-arm kid carry. Looks like dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear.
5: Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are
12: buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat.
5: Visit NHTSA.gov
12: slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
8: Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a cover repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield is America's number one auto protection company. For as $99 a month. You can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1-800-CAR-6000. And mention code money, M O N E Y, or visit carshield.com and use code money, M O N E Y to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code money. A deductible may apply. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest is the co-founder and CEO of the Women's National Football Conference, the WNFC. The Women's National Football Conference is a groundbreaking organization that exists to create and foster an environment for female athletes to sustain healthy lifestyles through playing, coaching and participate in American football at the highest level. Again, at the highest level. The WNFC has over 1,000 athletes and coaches across 17 states, which makes up 20 teams with thousands of fans. We're going to turn that into millions. The WNFC was started in 2019 in order to bring the sport of women's tackle tackle football, not touch, not fluff, not football to the masses. Please welcome to money making conversation the co founder and CEO of Women's National Football Conference, Odessa Odessa Jenkins. (laughs) Yes, sir. Let's go. <laughs> Good morning, Odessa. I a, I'm, hey, first of all, the name. Let's talk. Let's talk about your name first, Odessa, because I know, I know you have a beautiful name, Odessa Jenkins. Wherever you, it sound like your uncle calling you, your your daddy calling Odessa. Odessa, get back in this house, girl. Where did you get the name Odessa Jenkins from? You know, that's my
10: grandmama's name. You your know? grandmother's so, uh, name.
8: You
9: mm-hmm. from the south?
10: Yes, I am. I am I am actually born and raised in Los Angeles, California, mm-hmm. but I'm born to uh, a, a Southern queen and a Southern king. My <laughs> mother and father are both from, uh, my dad's from Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and my mom's from Little Rock. Oh, so, yeah. uh, oh yeah. I have oh, yeah. a Southern woman's name. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. actual, my full name is Odessa Londale Jenkins, so I'm named after both my paternal and fraternal grandmothers. They have big plans for Odessa.
8: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's beautiful. So, so give us a little back. I know you're, you're, you're a former athlete and, um, and so, but you know, athletes get a bum rap sometimes because they just, they just, people just recognize them for their talent, their physical talent. And we all know that's as a a short window, a short window. So you have to plan what the the realistic path is for long-term financial success. And being that you're a female, sometimes the options are even more limited. To try to pursue your dreams. Talk about the athletic side of your life, going through high school into college.
10: Sure. um So, as I said, I grew up in South Central LA. Sports have always been a tremendous part. When you say of South Central my... LA,
8: I lived in LA fifteen years. Where are you? What did you? What high school and what are you call in South Central LA? Just for my listeners.
10: So I grew up on 99th and San Pedro. Uh, my family—that was where I was pretty much raised. But mm-hmm. um, my childhood was in Watts. Um, mm-hmm. I lived in the the Jordan Downs. I lived in the Nickerson Project. Wow, I know exactly um, where you were. So, uh, my home church, which is still a home church today, uh, is on hundred and seventh and Cal Maya, right in South Central L.A. So, the, when I say South Central, that's where I mean. Actually, mm-hmm. I my mom. Uh, Worked outside of LA in in Bellflower. So I actually bussed to school with my mom. So after uh, elementary school, when I went to 99th Street Elementary, shout out to 99th Street Elementary, my mom bussed me to school. So I rode a bus and a train to school from the seventh grade until I graduated high school. So I never went back to LA Unified after um, my elementary school time. Right.
8: Okay, cool. Mm hmm. Now how did athletics oh, yeah. so, start to become a part of your life?
10: You know, it was it was it was it was huge for us because um growing up in the city there was a lot of my family was um you know, no shame in my game, my family was into a lot of uh, you know, the, the drug trade and a, and a lot of violence, and there were a lot of things, a lot of great people in my family, but there was just a lot of stuff around us. And sports was the one thing that kind of kept us away. So I started becoming known around town as a girl with the ball, whether it was a basketball or football or volleyball or whatever. I just I just always wanted to do something different. Um, it was it was just in, inside of me to want to, to wanna compete. I was a competitor. And so I picked up a football. My first sport was football. All the boys and cousins in my family—they allowed me to play as long as you can ball. That's what they always told me. As long as you can ball, now I will let you play. So I started playing, and I played football up until the eighth grade. And a coach at the time told me, "Like, hey, yo, you're um, gonna—if you want to go to college, and I know you do, um, and you want to get your college paid for through athletics, you need to play a girls' sport, Um, Mm -hmm. and you need to pick up basketball or something else." And it broke my heart. Uh, because I was a pretty decent football player, and I'm small. I'm, I'm what like position basketball.
8: were you playing, and what kind of speed were you? Right, see, see, I don't like people I was be bragging. See, the
10: whole time, I, I don't no, like I'm, people I'm, be I'm bragging a about moment. their
8: pretty, pretty, pretty decent football player. You know, what, what was pretty decent though?
10: I'm a, I'm a pretty fat woman. Up until the eighth grade, I was probably still averaging um, a couple TDs a game, probably one a buck fifteen with mm-hmm. the boys. So I was putting up a hundred yards a game, really, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. up until the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, there was never I I was never interested in playing against boys. So right. I, I that I, I know a lot of people grow. I was I always wanted to play against other girls. Um, Because, obviously, once you get to the eighth grade, the boys start getting bigger and stronger and faster. And it's like, ooh, meaner. And meaner. And meaner, right? (laughs) And meaner. And so I always wanted to play against the girls, but there was just no opportunity. Girls football didn't exist. There was nobody um, that was making that available. So I went on to high school, played some basketball, uh, won a couple um, district championships down in L.A., um, got the LA Times Player of the Year, started to get recruited, and I ended up going B one to a, a school, a small B one school called Cal Poly up in San Luis Obispo, California. You no, know exactly what. Um, is that? Yep, start balling. At the time I went there, we hadn't won anything yet, and ended up ended up turning Cal Poly into a pretty good program, a pretty good winner out there in the Big West. Won a one Player of the Year a couple of years, and had a pretty decent college career. So I was. Um, you know, successful. But as soon as I graduated from college, I went to go play football again. So, um, it's always been the thing that I love. I love to compete, and I know you probably talk to a lot of athletes and entrepreneurs. But football is unique. You got to have a different level of, of team and compete to want to do this uh, for a long time. So- Wait, let me
8: tell you something about football, a sport I could never play. By the way, because <laughs> see, I can't see. I can't look at somebody who's going to run at me as fast as I'm running towards them and not veer mm-hmm. left or right. But they just wanna stay Amen. dead on. See that's a different mentality for me because
10: it's,
8: you know is what I like to call it. Well I'm, a, I'm just telling you boy a coward, okay? I'm just tell you right now. <laughs> what I'm not gonna do, say oh I'm not gonna get on the football field and know him <laughs> that fool coming at me is wanna hurt me.
10: He want not hurt me. And he get paid. You yeah. get paid. Yeah. A uh, half a billion, as a matter of
8: fact. <laughs> so, 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 but, but before we get into the league, you know, we we right in the midst of a COVID-19, the pandemic is affecting yeah. all sports. We saw ESPN basically get shut down basically because they had no sports to cover. Fox, Fox Sports 1 as well had no sports sure. to cover. So how is it impacted? And give me a give me a feel for what, what, when does the league start? Or What's that window for what the league is?
10: Yeah, so the league, we, we play in the spring, right? Mm-hmm. We play in the spring. The whole concept was to try and not compete with the, the major men's sports, mm-hmm. right? Um, so give the men their, their, their platform that they've earned over the last hundred years and create something for when the NFL fan or, they, frankly, the NBA fan, the MLB fan, whatever sport they're playing, is looking for that next competitive thing. Sort of the same concept that the XFL and the AFL had. Um, but we play April to July. So, frankly, uh, this last weekend would have been our championship weekend. Uh, we've been going into our championship. But we canceled our season in February knowing um, or anticipating what COVID would do to the world. Um, and knowing that we don't own facilities, right? We coordinate with high schools and colleges Mm -hmm. for our fields and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and knowing that it would hit us hard. So frankly, it it hit us just as hard as it did everybody else. But one thing that it did do is it helped the world of sports carriers and content providers realize that there's different content out here in sports, AKA women's football has some pretty exciting content to provide. um, If you point your camera at it, so in, in a lot of cases, people say this has been detrimental to their business. In my case, I see it as a come up as an opportunity, right? Um, as an opportunity for us to bring our business to the masses and our sports to the masses. So this has been a win. I don't look at anything as a loss. I look at it all as an opportunity. And this is a major opportunity for us to put the content of women's football in front of some folks who wouldn't have normally looked. Well, you know, I have tell everybody that, uh,
8: you know, I, this whole year, my brand, Money Making Conversation, I, I used the pandemic period uh, to catch up, I thought, from a standpoint. I caught a lot of my competition because mm-hmm. of the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, they, when you when you launch a brand, you, you're kind of behind everybody else. And so exactly. if the brand is stalled and you still have a plan to market and brand and promote and get you and, and get in front of people, then guess what? People will take notice because guess what? Everybody else is stalled and their mind is very curious right now as to what else exactly. I can do to to entertain my brain because there's so much available time for me to be. That's why Netflix blew up, you know, because. Yes. Everybody was sitting at the house. Everybody found Netflix. Netflix stock is like almost $500 because of the fact that people are trying to find information. That's why people are watching Korean baseball on ESPN. Mm-hmm. They're trying to find mm-hmm. information. So like NASCAR ratings are up because of the fact that people are finding information. How are you keeping your brand in the forefront or in front of our eyeballs?
10: Yeah, there's a couple things. So one, I think we, went and we, we did one of the smartest things that we could ever do, and that's invest in some – Real PR, branding, marketing, and content strategy.
8: Right.
9: Mm-hmm.
10: So um, we went and uh, we we went and signed up on this with this organization called iFundWomen, which is an amazing organization that helps women and startups get funding. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so through them, we were able to be awarded a grant for helping the world to reimagine sports. So Adidas um, pumped some resources and some funding into us. And with that, we went in, hired professional PR, which a lot of women in sports don't have. Um, we have focused on our head of branding and marketing to put more content out on social. Um, we be, we're beefing up our website and our web presence, and making content available to our users to go spread out. So that's the those are the two biggest things that we're doing: beautifying our content, so making it more readily available, mm-hmm. prettier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're also investing in others that can go tell our story. But you bring up a great point of being able to catch up, because those are things that we would frankly never do um, were it not for. COVID-19. Oh,
8: absolutely. You know, they're, they're like, you know, when you're dealing with marketing, it's all it's all the competition And so, and also the bigger level of competition is like everybody has a, you know, McDonald's, they have hamburgers, Burger King has hamburgers, Five Guys has hamburgers and, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken has chicken, Popeye's has chicken, Chick-fil-A has chicken. And so when those brands are out there ahead of you, then you have to figure Mm -hmm. out how do I separate and clearly define who I am. And so that's why I brought that up because of the fact that COVID-19, you can't see it as a disaster. Yes, it's a setback because we all want to be playing. We all want to be filling the stands. We all want our brand moving forward. But more importantly, now you're dealing with the details, Odessa, you know, about being very meticulous about what exactly the messaging you're trying to tell. What are you talking to you when you, when you, when I, when I talk like that, what are you telling your team, your marketing team? What is the the, the, the mandate right now? Yeah. The mandate is alignment, right? Mm
10: That, We are an organization that has a mix of people and content that's about a purpose that everybody's kind of clamoring for. Um, 60% of the women in our league are of color. Mm -hmm. We have the story of adversity and triumph in everything we do because women's tackle football players don't get paid to play. So there's this story of triumph and adversity that we tell tell. We are women. Women are the fastest growing sports consumer on the planet. Mm-hmm. Tackle football will eventually surpass um, soccer as the number one uh, sport on the planet. So the, the mandate is to go find brands, go find people that want to tell this story that don't know we exist and align with them get sticky with them. Let them know that there are certain pieces of glue, whether it be Mm -hmm. diversity and inclusion, whether it be LBTQ communities, whether it be how to speak, represent, and inspire women. We have all of that in one organization that's packaged and ready to go. So that's the story we've been telling to our branding and our PR teams. And frankly, we're a powerful organization. It's like, a group of women that are playing women's tackle football are unique to the world. It's a sport that so many people said we couldn't do. So that's our story.
7: Cool. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and money-making conversations don't touch that dial. Cars today are like
8: a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield understands payment flexibility is a must. Plans are customizable and as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitment. Plus, you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the Work, and car Shield takes care of the rest they also offer complimentary 24 7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed car Shield is america's number one auto protection company for as low as 99 dollars a month you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands call 1-800-CAR-6000 and mention code money m-o-n-e-y or visit carshield.com and use code money M-O-N-E-Y, to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code money. A deductible may apply. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money-Making Conversation. I'm talking to the co-founder and CEO of the Women's National Football Conference, the WNFC. It's a brand that's uh, new. Uh, the COVID-19, like with all sporting events, slowed the progress. But using her head and her team and getting the marketing machine together, it allows it's allowing her to get into the forefront or in the faces of people who are interested in a new version of what sporting entertainment can be brought to the table, and that is the WNFC. So right now, what does the 2021 season prepping look like? Yes,
10: so it's an exciting time. We're actually looking at it's what expansion looks like, right? Trying to be smart and not move too fast, yeah. but looking at other cities, there are a lot of other cities who want um, a team, a WNFC team, because of what we represent. So that's step one: just evaluating and and doing a market research on what are the right cities for us to bring a team to, because there might be existing teams out there already, or there might be new markets that we need to expand to. So that's that's step one. Um, step two is uh, bringing on investors, right? We're working on our investment strategy. Who are the kind of people that we want to invest in the business? And step three is our TV deal. So how do we bring um, OTT to so a content from an over-the-air standpoint and a content from an over-the-internet standpoint? So working with which partners we want to partner with um, to bring our content to TV. We have a huge production investment going in for 2021. We're going to have 10 games that are going to be professionally produced and trying to find the right medium to put those 10 games on. And then last, but definitely not least, is partnerships and sponsors. Uh, we are lucky enough right now to have an awesome sponsor in Adidas and another awesome sponsor in Red L Sports, We were the first uh, women's tackle football league to be sponsored by either of those global companies. And we're just looking for the next, they'll the next Adidas to help
8: take us to the next level. Cool. Okay, the word tackle football. Okay, let's talk about that yes. real right quick. Because, you know, I know where I can get me some basketball players. I know if I had started a baseball league, I could just bring some softball players from college. Okay, they can probably ball a little bit smaller, but they can play professional baseball if I wanted to. Where do I get my tackling women? Where do I get my women if I want to start a professional women's football league?
10: From everywhere, but frankly, do you? ever when, um, when I say that,
8: are you holding like tryouts? Yeah, no, tryouts?
10: I got you. you. It's it's a it's a, it's a it's one of those. If you build it, they will come. More women than you would ever know want to play football. So what we what we do is. Every team, every team in every city builds a try, has a tryout. So we have like a national tryout day in the WNFC. Um, so every year on the same day or around the same month, and this is going to be in November for this year, all of our teams are going to start marketing tryouts. Mm -hmm. Um, so we do it on social. We do it locally. We do it at gyms. We do, we go to high schools. We go to local universities. Um, I'm sure you've heard of now, uh, Women's flag football is technically a varsity sport for Mm -hmm. the first time in the history of the world. So we're working with those schools and NAIA to develop that. We're also working with the Boys and Girls Club to develop a mechanism for building a pipeline that way. But really... We just put it out there and women show up from everywhere. Um, We have former WNBA players in our league, former women's professional soccer players, softball, everywhere. But the way that it works is we generally have a call out for tryouts, Mm -hmm. um, a private, some private and some public. Uh, we usually do some sort of recruiting mechanism, so every team has a recruiting function where they're working locally to see who are the pro and semi-pro at- female athletes in their city. So between that league-wide tryout day and the private and public um, city recruiting mechanisms, that's how we get our women. And those tryouts are usually held at universities or our local high schools
8: okay let's I'm at your website right now fantastic website yep. by the way WNFCfootball.com amazing website now let's 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 talk about the branding and marketing because we've you know when women try to do something athletic in the field of football, we've had a lot of, I want I to won't use the word sexist, but very, you know, scatly clad football game, the puff football game, the flag, it all led to skippy clothes and, and, um, non-tackling sports. Now, is that, is that, is that a competition that you have to that a branding that you have to avoid or deal with that's maybe trampling into your Approach of creating a real football league where women really do tackle, where women really do play.
10: It absolutely is. It's a it's a it's a it's a part of the it's a part of the world, right? Selling right. sex, particularly sexualizing women, right? And frankly, sexualizing women because on color, your website
8: you say real women, real football, real real hits. football,
10: correct? And so that is a part. Then when you say women's football, to most people, they they think of lingerie, right? right. Because mm-hmm. it was. It, it, it was on TV, it had sponsors, it had those things, but women have been playing 11-on-11 11 11, uh, tackle football for 70 years, mm-hmm. and the reason that it hasn't broken out, like in 16 months we have done in the WNFC what no other leagues have done, and that's had the ability to get funding and, and do sponsorships, but... It's absolutely in the way we have today. We have uh, other leagues that are selling other things other than the sport and marketing the sport and marketing in different ways. Now, let me tell you, I'm not a fool to it. Like, I believe in the beauty of women and I believe in selling what is all all parts of a woman. Um, But I don't believe that my product at all has to be. Um, a sexualized product in order for people to take it seriously and that's the difference between me and some others so yeah it's something I gotta fight against but I'm a fighter I told you where I was from early at the Absolutely. beginning Absolutely Nickerson Gardens come if on now Nickerson yeah. Gardens I know exactly <laughs> We're, we're better. We're more Jordan now, oh, cool. but if now, we if we had yeah, if we had somebody, we have that in front of us. But we're gonna overcome it just like absolutely. everybody else
8: has to overcome. Yeah, this is money making conversation. We talk about the, the 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 entrepreneurial side. We talk about the marketing side, the branding side, and you have to know your competition in order to beat your competition because that's what we're in. We're in, the, we're in the winning game in this interview. And when I'm looking Amen. at the teams, you have the Pacific Conference, you have the Atlantic Conference. Now, I know I'm from Houston, Texas. And I know Texas is big. Now, you got two teams, the Houston Heat and the Texas Elite Spartans. Now, I'm assuming the Houston Heat is in Houston, Texas. Where is the Texas Elite Spartans located? Where are they located at?
10: They are located in Dallas.
8: Okay, so it's another rival between Big D and H-Town. Yes. I like, I like that. I like that. I
10: like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah, the Texas League Spartans I actually um I I own that team and oh, I'm talking to Jerry yeah. Jones. I'm talking to Jerry yeah, Jones. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You are. Um uh, we the the Texas League Spartans are the defending champion of the WNFC. Oh, how convenient are... oh, how convenient. <laughs> the founder. Well, me...
8: <laughs> yes. And yes. her team and that she owns wins. It,
10: oh, how convenient. Cold. Mm-hmm. It's cold. Um but yeah, that team that team is a is a gym in women's football. That team is um hasn't lost a game, has beat every top team in the country and <laughs> is is, is and they set the they set the trend in, in women's tackle football. So yeah, pretty good team. Yeah. But that's a good team the are, are you
8: scaring those players up there? Come the owner, you know, y'all better get back in shape. you know. <laughs> You know she's from Nickerson Gardens
10: I don't know that I gone. <laughs> you not know, know, know that from
8: Nickerson Gardens she going to hurt y'all or not <laughs> 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 No man. Congratulations, like I, congratulations. Thank you. And so, thank and so, you. I leave with love. I leave with love. Oh, you leave. Oh, yo, yeah, you leave, you leave with a little love, and it might talk a little hurt. But you go, you to you gonna get your <laughs> point across. I'm telling you that right now. Hey man, you better let them know. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? So, uh, when when sponsors come into your brand, what are they expecting? Because you you know we all know that you need financial support. No bid no you know you know no no league can exist. Even the NFL, they don't have financial support. They won't last. Correct. So what does the sponsor expect from you when they sponsor your brand?
10: And the yeah, players they as usually, well. Mm-hmm. They, they usually expect us to amplify a story or amplify a cause or a message. The same way that they do with other leagues, right? It's like, um, we want you to put our brand in front of women. We want you to put our brand in front of a certain audience right. that either we're not in front of today or that we want to continue to be in front of. So usually our pitch is that we are women in sport, we are women in fitness, and we are diverse. We are women of color, and we are women of LGBTQ backgrounds in a lot of cases, but we're mothers, we're sisters, we're consumers. So the thing that brands really love about us is that we can be flexible, right? There's a lot of us. We're in um you know, 17 cities. We're national. That's always good. And then usually, what's unique about a football team that isn't that you don't find in a lot of other women's sports is that football players cannot look the same. If your team wants to be successful, right? Yeah, so if every football, you know if every football player was five foot seven, 150 pounds, your team's gonna get their tail whooped where is the beef as they say where is the beef (laughs) exactly so our sport is super super unique in that women have to be from completely different backgrounds Mm -hmm. um socioeconomically they have to look different there's some women that are big there's some women are small so we really do in one sport have the total eclectic story of all women that we can tell. We can tell a story of big women, little women, short women, dark women, light women. And so it's a really unique place that our sponsors find as a gold mine when it comes to content.
8: Awesome. I love it. I love it. Now, the reason I was teasing you earlier about the being the owner and undefeated and uh, the champion, uh, you came through the Bill Walsh NFL diversity coaching fellowship program. And you also were an intern coach with the Atlanta Falcons. So, so you've yeah. you, you've been, um, as they say, coached up in the professional men's sports. How did that help you? And you know, in, with the with the women's National Football League,
10: it was huge. Um, you know, I actually was with the Falcons right before I started up to started to um, source a partner and mm-hmm. investment for the WNFC. Mm-hmm. So, being um, you know Scott Pioli. Um, who was the general manager at the time of the Atlanta Falcons Mm -hmm. was a, is a, is a mentor of mine and is a huge influence of mine. Um, and coach Quinn and all of those um, guys in the Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they are, they are, um, exceptional men, but also exceptional leaders and businessmen. And so I really learned a lot from being in the room, um, and being in that organization about how to organize the sports business, what kind of people you need to put around the business. Mm-hmm. Um, cause whether it was from coaches like Raheem Morris sitting down with me and teaching me the game or whether it was, from bad boy, yeah. you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he, that's a bad man. Mm-hmm. Um, but the players, the players had a great deal of respect for me. Um, Devontae Freeman, all those guys. And they, they actually set me down and, start, and talked to me. And I talked to them about the business of the sport. So it was a huge influencer to me. Um, now, my passion is women in sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they were all able to give me some, some great building blocks on what I should do when I built out the WNFC. And the best advice that they gave me was not make pro- don't make promises that you can't keep and build it from the base. So build a good
8: base in your business. Well, uh, you're fantastic. I'm talking to the co-founder and uh, co-owner and coach of a team. She's managed by All Female Leadership Brain Trust over there at the WNFC. It features 20 teams playing a 10-week spring session, you know, broadcast on national television. Her team, she's the owner. She's like the Jerry Jones because her team's based in Dallas. That's what I'm talking to. The the black (laughs) female Jerry Jones right now. I want to thank you for coming on my show. You're fantastic. I love your energy, you know, your ability to be able to pivot and understand that, uh, you know, COVID-19 is not going to disappoint me. It's not going to destroy me. And uh, much success. And when you when you, when you you get the league back up and running, please come back up if you want to bring a player on Absolutely. with you. I want to support you 100%. I got almost a million social media followers. 88% of my followers are female, by the way. I want to let you know wow. that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, See? And 88% there you go. now. And so that's why I wanted to bring you on the show. Now, you're you coming to the right man. OK,
10: I got the ladies. <laughs> I got the ladies. <laughs> OK, well, everybody's got the ladies. That's realize.
8: <laughs> well, that's a L Jenkins. I want to thank you for coming on my show. OK,
10: thank you so much for having me. And I'm honored that you tell a story. And for all the women out there, go do what you do. I hope that this uh, message of a woman, a black woman in football is helping you realize and inspire you to go do something that somebody said you couldn't go get it.
8: Go get it, girl. All righty. I'll talk to you later. And be in touch with me, okay? And send some banners, anything you want me to promote, I'll support you on my social media, okay?
10: I sure will. Thank you so much.
7: We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money-Making Conversations. Don't touch that dial.
12: Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure in pebbles. And connect with this. We reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure in pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide to this fascinating world.
5: Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.
4: This report is brought to you by Northwestern Medicine. Organ donations save lives, and some organs can even be donated by a living donor. August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month, so let's check in with Dr. Denae Simpson, Assistant Professor of Surgery at Northwestern Medicine. Tell us about the African-American Transplant Access Program.
2: So this is my baby. This is a program that I have dreamt about creating since I became interested in transplant as a trainee, and it's a program designed to address the significant disparities that our African-American patients face. The program is designed to educate patients about transplant, let them know what transplant can provide to them, and to help them access the resources that they find so scarce and so challenging the access in order to get them on the transplant path and back to you know some type of meaningful life
4: for more information visit nm.org radio
8: my next guest is an independent filmmaker he is a graduate of the uh, Texas Am University and University and has produced over 30 featured films and several have been featured at Sundance also his movies have been distributed by Sony Lionsgate Warner Brothers and Netflix just to name a few he has won the independent Spirit award and has been inducted into the Texas Texas Filmmakers Hall of Fame. He is on the show today to discuss his career and the second season of Fifth Ward. New episodes of Fifth Ward stream every Thursday through September 3rd on UMC.TV. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, my man, Greg Carter.
11: Thank you. Thank you, my brother, Rishon. I'm so excited to be on the show. I got such a great introduction. I said, I got to live up to that introduction now. <laughs> hey, hey, Greg, you know,
8: because we, we're both from Houston, Texas, and uh, you're doing a right. show about, I, I, I was born in the Fifth Ward. I lived there the first 10 years of my life. Russell mm. and uh, uh and, and, and and 3815 Bain Street is the home mm. that I lived in. It was a two-bedroom shotgun house. And, um I had six sisters, two brothers. My father was a truck driver. My mom was my mother was a stay at home mom. And so uh the the whole concept of doing a show called Fifth War really Really, just touched home with me emotionally because I know that that was those first ten years were a very important part of my life. And Fifth Ward is a community, it's like any neighborhood, It's an urban-based uh, inner-city neighborhood that's in Houston, Texas. Just to give everybody who's listening the exact uh, location of where this particular community is, and and it's one of the prominent uh, Black communities in Houston, Texas. But you, but this initially started out as a movie, correct? This series.
11: That is correct. That is correct. So years ago. I'm also from the neighborhood, Fifth Ward. My uh, my family uh, at home church is on the corner of uh, Lyons, uh, and, uh, uh And also my family, I still have family still living over there. And mm-hmm. so it was one of the things that was important to me when I started out. I was trying to tell a story about the neighborhood based on uh, the people I knew. And so back in 1998, I'm dating myself. I did the first, uh, I did the first, uh, 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 movie Mm -hmm. and it it, it had a lot of success. It went to South by Southwest and a lot of film festivals. And then after that, I ended up, uh, putting it, writing a treatment for a TV show and I put it on the shelf and it was there. It sat on the shelf for probably about 20 years. And then later, I got approached by uh, uh, Angela Nordington, who was the head of content over at uh, UMC at the time. Also, uh, Sylvia George, who's the general manager of the network, right. about the show. And I said, hey, I got this thing. I can dust it off, see what happens. <laughs> and uh, when everybody got it, they truly enjoyed it. And that was the beginning of season one and we had a successful season one so then we came back for two now when
8: you do a show that has an emotion tied to it because like i said you grew up there i grew up in there in that environment tell us about season one i know there was a there was a character chain for a major character chain for season two mm. and tell us about that and uh and also just putting together a show we know it's shot some of the scenes are, are, they, are they shot within the community itself or all of them on set
11: no, all of all of the show is primarily shot in uh Houston, Texas. Uh and 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 the majority of those shots in Houston, Texas are in fifth ward. Mm-hmm. Uh I wanted to have an authenticity uh for the show to make sure that, you know, I was quote unquote keeping it real. Uh but then <laughs> the <other> thing, <laughs> but, but yeah, we did have a couple of changes. Uh, our lead actor, uh, who played the role of Ray Ray, uh uh, he he got cast into another TV show and then uh we had another character who played the role of Robert Kennedy who was a police commander he had schedule shooting uh uh schedule conflicts and he had to and we and of course when you're shooting on a time frame and a schedule uh you just have to kind of go into it and get it done so uh you know you get into the situation where uh you make the decisions that you can mm-hmm. uh uh, and then sacrifice what you can and keep pressing forward. <laughs> right. And, th- and
8: that, like I said, that's nothing negative. I'm just telling people about the, the business. You know, like I said, when you, yep. cast change happening and you have to move forward and, and recast with the best person that's available to do that role and you have a very talented guy. So, very talented people that you brought on for the second season and that's why I wanted to let yeah, everybody yeah. know there are changes and so if you're fans of the show and you watch the premiere episode because to my understanding an episode is already aired and I'm supposed to be in that episode right sir that is correct that is (laughs) correct uh so
11: so when you watch the show if you haven't watched the show what you'll find is it's not just a narrative with characters who say dialogue uh for me it was important that the show itself uh was not just my story but the story of other voices that also know and love fifth ward so uh at the beginning and the end of each episode, we have a uh, a small interview with someone from the neighborhood who gives their experience uh, about what made or uh, what makes Fifth Ward special. Mm-hmm. And so we we try to make sure that uh, that is uh, something that that well, of course, I want to keep it engaged with the audience, but also let the audience know that there's more than just Greg Carter telling this story about right. Ward, the neighborhood that we love. There's other people too that that are engaging in this story.
8: And wow, you know, I, I you know we were I was all I, I flew into town. I remember Greg called me, said I'd like you to take this. And uh it it was more of a an opportunity to uh be a part of something special, because I consider you doing a project about a, a, a very important community within a black community within Houston, Texas, a community that I was, that I was born in, a community that I pride myself I I tell people I'm from Fifth Ward all the time. But then we see that Fifth Ward that you and I were born in is changing. And um and uh, as they say uh the the, the streets are gotten wider and white people are moving in. <laughs>
11: uh, it's it, it's true not just for fifth ward but it's also true for a lot of communities uh in the uh throughout the united states yes and what happens is is that you have these depressed home values which means these areas are ripe for uh gentrification and what gentrification is if people don't know it's a process of where you're slowly uh uh moving I guess in the simplest way, moving the original residents out, Mm -hmm. and culturally and sometimes uh, 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 racially changing the the way the neighborhood is. Uh, And so, you know, for me, if you look at what's happening in Los Angeles, where uh, they're building build a brand new football stadium in the middle of the hood, or if you go into Inglewood, right there, there. Inglewood, Mm -hmm. Inglewood, that is correct. Mm -hmm. It's happening in Inglewood right now. Uh, those of you who are listening. Hey, in Greg, New let me York just let me know. just even
8: expand it. They're not only building a stadium; they built a the the train system to go right up to it. So That's correct. Yeah, you know they they really vision. They tore up all of Crenshaw to put this train line in. This metro line, right. and so that just you know, when they want to make a change, they can make a significant change. And uh, when you do a, a change like that, it affected the black businesses that were along Crenshaw along the way. And so that's what that's a lot right. of people understand. So you, it's for the good, but it also who are you hurting to create this quote unquote good. And so that's what we're dealing with in Fifth Ward. Is that you know there are people who are being moved out, but where are they being moved out to? Because they can't afford to pay the taxes. Because that's why they. Do do it because you you're right. you bringing these uh these better property values guess what taxes go up now the person across the street they can't pay that new tax so they guess what they're either forced into a homeless situation or they have to move out a neighborhood that and that's all the neighborhood they know and that's the tragic part about mm. that process isn't it
11: right right oh absolutely and uh it's happening in seattle uh it's happening uh in, like i was about to say people who live in new york they just built a new basketball arena in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. That neighborhood's changing. So so these, it's happening nationwide. And in the last five to 10 years, it's happening at an increasing pace. And so we have to fight for our neighborhoods and so that we can have and keep the cultural representation that made the neighborhood great. Because when the people come into, new people come into the community, we're fine with that, that's okay, no worries there. But but we want we want the respect mm-hmm. of the uh, of the of the neighborhood to be there. We want the culture of the neighborhood to stay. You know, we want all that to happen.
8: Wow. Now let's talk about this. Yeah. Let's get back to this. Theory. I don't want to get so social to forget that I brought you on this show because <laughs> you and I can get to talking. Because cause you're a Texas a grad. I'm a University of Houston grad. So, you know, we've, yes, we've gotten our degrees. Yes. We, you know, we have intelligence behind. Not saying that other people don't have intelligence, but we both from Fifth wall. And so we have a passion when we start talking about this. But this series, some yes. of your main characters, Maya and, and my boy Carl Anthony Payne and Omar Gooding and Jaylene Mack. Uh, talk about putting a cast together like this. And if you don't know Maya, the former singer, still, I shouldn't say former. The singer, Maya, is one of the lead characters in this particular about gary sturgis bringing all that casting together my man carl anthony who i love to death and omar gooding i i used to work with him on smart guy back in the day on wb and so i know who you're working with and jaylene mac she's a she's one of the most famous attorney slash actresses in the game
11: <laughs> oh yeah jaylee look let me tell you something sometimes i marvel <laughs> at how much jaylene Mack does in a day I'm mm-hmm. like Jaylen, you do more today a day sometimes than some people do in a whole month. So I don't know how you do it, <laughs> mm-hmm.
9: Mm-hmm.
11: but you know, the, the, the cast. uh, You know, I'm the son of a of a Methodist minister, and I feel like I was really blessed to have a cast such as Maya and Gary, Carl Anthony Payne, Omar, Reginald T. Dorsey, uh, uh, Jaylene, all those people, and and there's so many terrific, talented people who are from the Houston area. A local actors to come in. And what I think it really was was that uh, when people had an opportunity to read the script, uh, the first draft of the uh, season one, uh, episode one script, uh, people were just drawn to the characters because, you know, we don't really have a lot of stories that are urban, that are told from the perspective of you know, residents in the neighborhood more. I think somehow or another we came to the conclusion that that was passe. We wanted to be this, that, and the other, but we cannot forget our our forgotten uh, poor and our forgotten uh, underclasses that are with us. You know, I consider myself and just as you, someone who picked ourselves from the, up from the bootstrap, but there, are, we still have those neighborhoods there and it's important for us as individuals to make sure that we give the, give and inspire hope so that those people can thrive and do well. And so, you know, the characters are written from a perspective that they have a huge sense of hope and faith in them. And so, uh, even, even, even when, uh, Carl Anthony Plain is playing the bad guy, he still has that in his character of where he is trying to do things for the betterment, but he has his own way of doing it. Right. And so I think that's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to make sure that, uh, we connected with, uh, with the understanding that, you know, when things are not the best way that they can be, you know, you, you can survive and you can make it, but also show how people maneuver and, and weave through, through life, maybe the way that, uh, You didn't do it, but maybe your grandparents did it or your mother and father did it because people are still doing that today. And I think it's important to to bring a spotlight to that journey.
8: I'm talking to Greg Carter, uh, director, creator, executive producer, you know, everything he edits, he does it Mm -hmm. all. That's what you do when you when you when you're learning. <laughs> a, reason, a reason I'm saying that because I gotta go back on us, but also if you want to catch this series, Fifth War, it's on UMC.tv. It's a it's a it's a streaming service. And anywhere you find Netflix or Hulu, you can find umc.tv. And just go to the site and find the Fifth War. It's a, it's a fantastic series. It's in its second season. But let's go back on our journey. Well, all the way back to when I opened a comedy club, hip hop comedy stop, and you were, <laughs> you was you know, all I heard was Greg Carter, you got to get with Greg Carter because you was doing all the music, you doing all the music videos in the city of Houston at the time. That's where you cut your teeth, and I and we met a couple of times, but you know, uh, but we didn't meet enough because I was still trying to build my brand. And then I eventually right. moved back to LA right. and started writing those sitcoms. But really, it's always a journey, and you got to start somewhere. And it started with yeah. you those early years when rap took off, when the ghetto boys were just just right. just put a put a face. On the city of Houston music scene, and you was right at the heart of it, Greg.
11: <laughs> it was funny because uh, so when I went to college, uh, I, I was studying engineering, right? And I had the uh, the chance to study. Uh, I had to take a couple electives, and uh, and I studied uh, screenplay writing. And it was just so happened that there was a gentleman by the name of Charles Godon, who was a guest lecturer at Texas A and and once I had my first taste of of writing and directing, I was sold. I was like, "Yeah, this engineering degree is not going to be no good because I know what I want to do now." Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. then I from there, and uh, I went to uh, Rice University and I started taking uh, in a master MFA program and started studying. And so I knew when I came out, that's what I wanted to do, and it was going to be a situation where okay, I can either pack up and go to, uh, you know, to Los Angeles or New York, or either I can try to do something. So I decided to uh, write my first script and then hire myself to produce and direct it. And that was the acorn, the genesis of how things started. And I always tried to look at, uh, you know, uh, everybody's journey being unique and different, including my own. So, uh, you know, I I didn't long for, okay, I got to go, I got to go, I got to get out of here. I just because I at the time I was married and I, I, I was starting off with uh, two kids mm-hmm. and I was just like, well, you know what, I can I can be a dad and do both. Uh, that proved to be a little difficult. But, you know, I still uh, I still know that, you know, with perseverance, uh, you can find success. And so I I I'd always thought that, you know, once I got into the situation of actually trying to make uh uh content and 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 drive the, you know we call it content now but it used to be you just I'm shooting the movies. Uh, I, I do I, I always had a vision though when I started off doing the music videos and everything else that the that the big prize was doing movies and TV. And you know, fortunately for me, I was I was at a time where it was a much more uh open opportunity to do it. There was blockbuster videos everywhere, lots of companies making Content uh, and fill the shelves there. And so I I was just in a very unique situation and I feel blessed to do it. And now, you know, it's funny because you look around some, you know, 15 or 20, 25 years later and Mm -hmm. you're like, whoa, I'm here. And so uh, part of what I try to do as well is to realize that my journey just ain't all about me. It's about also helping people. So I, uh, I also teach, uh, uh, filmmaking at the University of Houston, uh, in the Valente School. And I also do, uh, also do different, uh, uh, work with Jay, you mentioned Jaylene Mack. I work with Miss Jaylene Mack. She has a program called Impact and I volunteer mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. working with kids. So it's an important part of, you know, just making sure that your legacy, like what you do is, is out there. Wow. He's
8: uh he's the independent he's won the independent spirit award. He's been inducted into the Texas Filmmakers Hall of Fame. He's on the show to talk about Fifth Ward, a series that's <clears throat> in his second season. You can reach it on UMC.tv. Uh whenever in the streaming platforms like Hulu or Netflix, you can find it right there as well. I want Greg, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for putting me on your show. And again, I want to help promote. And this is just one project. I know when you have future project, we've connected Because you know when I when I look at our relationship that we've had started in Houston and we kind of like launched our careers simultaneously and I was as a comedian and I eventually became a producer writer manager of talent and and you started out as an engineer my degree was mathematics so we all started (laughs) in a a different direction but creativity overwhelmed us and now we are content creators Greg thank you for coming on my show money-making conversations Thank you so much for having me. Great call, call, man. Great conversation.
1: If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour.
11: If you could find a way.
4: To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes.
11: Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in in my my shoes. shoes. We've
7: all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
2: Walk a mile.
5: hi everyone al roker here as a guy with his own catchphrase i appreciate that Smokey's only said only you can prevent wildfires but i'm filling in because there's a lot more to report like when there are parched or windy conditions out there you gotta be extra careful with things like burning yard waste after all wildfires can start anywhere even in your neck of the woods Go to SmokeyBear.com to
12: learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination. Our sense of wonder. And our family bonds grow, too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.
8: Cars today are like a computer on wheels, but you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why you need CarShield carshield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a cover repair including computers gps electronics and more car shield understands payment flexibility is a must plans are customizable and as low as 99 dollars a month no long-term contracts or commitment plus you get to pick your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and car takes care of the rest they also offer complimentary 24 7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed car is america's number one auto protection company for as long as as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands. Call 1 800 Car 6000 and mention code MONEY, M O N E Y, or visit Carshield.com and use code money, MONEY to save 10%. That's Carshield.com, code MONEY. A deductible may apply. My next guest is the CEO slash president of Light Years Ahead. She has been part of the Light Years Ahead team for over 12 years. She is an expert in implementing solid PR programs for clients and making long lasting impressions with the media. That's important. Light Years Ahead is a boutique national PR agency specializing in lifestyle, personal health, tech, wellness, food, beauty, grooming products, services, and personalities. They have an office in Los Angeles, New York, Kansas City, where she is based, and Dallas. She is on the show today to talk about, uh, what else? The PR industry and how COVID-19 has affected their agency and PR campaigns. Please welcome the Money Making Conversation. I'm going to call her my friend because I love her to death. Please welcome Megan Bennett.
3: Thank you so much for having me on the show, Rashawn. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here.
8: Okay, you're in Kansas City, Kansas. That's barbecue country, correct?
3: That is right. We're barbecue central here. We've got Gates. We've got Jack Stack. We've got, we've got a lot of barbecue places here, and they're all good.
8: They're all good. I've, I've been up there many times. Uh, Steve Harvey was one of my clients. We used to go up there and do comedy concerts. Plus, we had a radio station. We would have to come up there periodically, do live broadcasts, And we had to eat barbecue. That was part of the prerequisite. You had to come and You oh, land. Because yeah. that airport is like 50 miles outside of town, correct? That airport yeah. is like in another state. <laughs> yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah. How did you get in the PR industry, the public relations cuz people seem like it's easy. Yeah, first of all cuz I get a lot of people who they 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 put that on their card, PR public relations and and how did you get started in it?
3: I got started, um, when I was in college, I thought I wanted to do something in the entertainment industry. So I went out and I interned in Los Angeles and I just happened upon a public relations firm, which was a celebrity public relations firm. um, And I found it interesting and I got more internships in PR, but then I realized that what I was really interested in was not celebrities. It was more products, uh, more personalities, experts. um, And after doing a couple Internships. When I realized what I didn't want to do, that's how I decided what I did want to do. If that makes any sense.
8: Well, so, uh, well because lifestyle, because yeah. your your agency is lifestyle, personal health, tech, wellness, yeah. food, and beauty, grooming products, services, and then personalities. So you got yeah. the personalities part. You more on the on the product side. Is, am I? Right? I mean, we
3: we so when when I first started, we really only did products at my agency, and then as we kept going through the years, we started to talk to experts that had a product where they wanted to be the personality behind the brand. So then we started to promote the founders behind the brand. And then we got into actually working with doctors, experts, meditation specialists, all sorts of different people. So it's it's not as far as a celebrity goes, but like experts that are qualified in their field, we, we work with them all the time. And it's just so interesting. It's a very interesting category.
8: Well, since you position that said the word magical word doctor and we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure you're pretty busy from a standpoint when I say busy are you is it interviewing in print or just recognizing the talents and letting people know that you're you have a roster of people who can help provide information during these these times of crisis
1: Well, basically, what we do is
3: is we offer right now during COVID, most of our clients are. I mean, we have two expert that are meditation experts, and they provide you know tips to de stress during quarantine. um, You know how to if if you're going crazy with your kids, how to stay calm, and then some of the brands that we work with are actually products like a thermometer that's you know a no touch forehead thermometer, hand sanitizers, things that can really help during COVID. Which you know in our case and in our brand's case is actually. Advantageous, where you know, I, I feel bad because a lot of other brands this is not a great time, which is totally understandable. Um, but our job is to spin any brand to make it so that people need it even during this time. Well, and I'm gonna tell you this. I'm tell, you this, I'm tell you this,
8: Megan, that, that thermometer. Okay, I have a fan base, so I send out a weekly newsletter to 93,000 people. I yeah. love to get an image of that thermometer and a the link in my newsletter sure. this week because that's, yeah. that's, that's because that's what I try to do on this show because a lot of the typical shows about celebrityism you know Big names. My, I, I feel that people like you are the stars. You're the people behind uh, the machine. You know, you can have a pretty car in the showroom, but if the engine is not right, it's not going to drive off that showroom floor. And it's true. And yeah. people like you are the engines, and so when you when you come on my show, you provide information and also opportunities for me to give substantive. Or information or products to my fan base. I'm not trying to get a discount, but if that's a product, I've never put that in my newsletter. So I'd love to be yeah. able to put that in my newsletter and we get with the staff later on to maybe make that happen. But is it? Yeah, they would love
1: it. They would absolutely I, love it.
8: I would love it because when you were talking, and I was talking to a friend of mine today, I was talking about when COVID first hit, I, 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 like everybody, I believe we kind of like thrown off because mm-hmm. they, they came with all this information and don't wear a mask, wear a mask, you know, uh, you go out in public or uh, make sure you wash your hands for 20 seconds. And so I can remember going to home Depot one time and I was stumbling. I had my, I had my my gloves. I had my sanitizer. I kind of had a mask. I kind of had, I have I had a half ski mask. I hadn't even invested in a real mask yet. I had a ski mask on. And so, because it was still cold at that time, it was in March. And so, I was uncomfortable. And so when you talk about meditation, that's what you're talking about. People like me who were stressing and not knowing what to do and bringing this burden. Yeah. Did you bring the illness to the house or, you you know, when you you know, when you're feeling bad, do you have the illness? All these things can really send you to a state of depression. And that's what you have on your roster. These, these type of people are available to be able to assist people in their time of emotional need
3: exactly and and like one does it through music he's a composer meditation expert but he's pretty famous and he he does different you know silent walks and these like mind travel meditations where you listen and you calm down like we recently did one for media that was stressed out because nobody thinks about the media but the media is just as stressed as everybody else that's working because they have all the pressure on them to perform and you know to, to show up and people are getting sick and they want to make sure that they have the right information, so they're like a very stressed out category as well, um, which is interesting.
8: Well, it's all interesting because we just talked about tech, which was the thermometer. We talked about wellness, yeah. which is the uh, which is these individuals who can help you through depression, help you stay calm, will help you through these moments of crisis, emotional crisis. And then you yeah. have the food, beauty, and grooming products. Uh, uh, do you have something that we can discuss on the show today about? It?
3: Well, yeah, the thing with food, beauty, and grooming is is that even though everybody's going through this, people still want to buy stuff, you know? They still want to look good. They still want to do their nails. They still want to, you know, get rid of wrinkles. But they're doing it themselves, though. Them but They're doing it
8: themselves, though, right?
3: Yes. So okay, everything but... now that we're promoting is like DIY spa beauty at home, which is great because all of our products are okay. done at home anyways. Okay, and... man, help your boy
8: out. Okay, I got I, I need some, I, I, I you know, I, I need some help, you know what I'm saying? I, my face, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm trying to, trying to stop the process. I'm not going to go in there and do any plastic surgery. Do you have <laughs> anything can help out this old face of mine, this old male face of mine? Do you have any-
3: Well, you look great, but yes, 100%. <laughs> we work with like a couple different skincare brands. One's called My Shell Dermaceuticals, and they've been around for years. They're at Whole Foods, and it's natural. They have some great anti aging products. Mm-hmm. Um, we also work with kind of a crazy brand that's called Ballsy. Um, You can look it up and that's for men only targeted for men mhm Wow. Um, wow. and then we work for some other brands too. One's called Oh Natural Skincare. It's from Australia. I'm I'm sorry, not Australia. It's from New Zealand, wow. and it's anti-aging. Um, so See, yeah, it, I mean in, all this in stuff in the home
8: park. All, all right there. Balding, aging, <laughs> anti wrinkle I'm, I'm your customer. I'm a customer. I'm gonna man. hook you up. <laughs> you gonna, you're gonna hook me up now? You got a lot of email links. You gotta send me. You gotta send me the balding. When I'm done with you, you're gonna look. 30 years I'll younger you, I guess what, i'm gonna be your poster child i'm gonna be your poster child you're gonna say you're gonna go look at it look at this brother right here this is before this is after this is before the interview this is after the interview after you had all our products because yep. because we are in a age of you know because i'm you know because you know we we don't live like our parents live you know because we are not designed to retire I know my mentality is not set to retire because I have so many things I want to do. And guess what? Retirement money <laughs> won't let me do it. Okay. Yeah. Not the social security plan and the Medicare plan won't let me do what my dreams are still left in my head. And so yeah. that means that we are, if you're 50, you're thinking like a 40-year-old. You're 60, you're thinking like a 50-year-old, and so on and so on. And so when you talk about these products, the popularity of them are tied to the fact that people still want to get out there. People want to still look good. People, in any way they can, can, they they can trick the clock. We're going to try to do it in a safe, comfortable way. And that's what you're talking about, these products, correct?
3: Yes. It's just an easy way to do it at home without leaving your house, especially at a time like this when nobody can leave their house.
8: Well, here's here's a a tricky question I got to ask you here, Megan, because it always throws me. Okay, what is the difference between PR and advertising?
3: That is a great question, and. I'm telling you, like most people don't understand it. My dad didn't even understand it until finally we have a national nonprofit foundation. My family does. And once I got them on the Today Show, then he understood because the donations started coming in. So basically, PR, public relations is different from advertising because when you do an ad, you pay a specific amount for one ad or for a series of ads. So you might pay Mm $3,000 to have one ad in a top magazine that you pay for that's guaranteed. is where you hire a publicist like me or whoever, and they're going to go out and they're going to pitch your brand to the editors and the media side, not the, edit- not the advertising side, but the media, the journalists that actually cover the brands in roundups. And then we get the products into their hands, and they write about it with their own opinions in an editorial. And so it's basically, it's authentic. It's not paid. Whereas you might pay us a monthly retainer, right. you know, to do that for a month and get you 10 to 15 PR placements. You might pay the same amount for one paid ad that, you know, isn't done because the editor likes it. You know, it's done because you've paid
8: for you it. So for that's it. the difference. Yeah. And, and, and so and like, oftentimes you don't even know who's listening or watching at exactly. that time. Mm mm-hmm.
3: Exactly. So, I mean, there's nothing better than than getting an amazing editorial placement. Like, if you're, you know, getting something on the Today Show, like I said, with this foundation, then they got over hundred and fifty thousand dollars of donations from one segment that we didn't pay for. All we had to do was fly the veterans out to New York, and right. it it aired, and that was that. You might pay to be on the Doctors, you know, a quarter of a million dollars for one paid segment, and get nothing from it. So. Mm. It's just—it's the value of PR is invaluable, and it's a huge bang for your buck.
8: Well, you know, I, I first of all, because you hear a lot of terms called marketing. You hear branding. Branding is the hot mm-hmm. term nowadays. Mm-hmm. We when, when you're branding products, you're branding companies, you're branding individuals. Is is that is that word abused too much? Overused too much? Branding.
3: I mean, in PR, it's not because we have people asking us all the time, if we hire you, what's the return on investment? Are we going to get sales? Are we going to make money for this? And we always say, at least with PR, it is really more about branding. It's building brand awareness.
9: Mm-hmm. And if it
3: doesn't drive sales, that's our job is not really to, it, it's great to drive sales, but our job really is to drive brand awareness. So in
8: PR, mm-hmm.
3: I think it's, I think it's a it's a word that, that we use Frequently, so that we don't get pigeonholed into becoming like a pay for play agency.
8: Well, you know, it's interesting you said, because you said PR, PR is not a brand awareness, it's not marketing, though, right?
3: I mean, PR has. Public relations is a part of marketing, but but our job as publicists is to create brand awareness, which sometimes can drive sales, well, but it, it, it's not guaranteed.
8: Right. It's really interesting because you are in that world because, you know, once the pandemic hit and everybody became, you know, stayed at, stay at home, that, that dynamic kind of changed the whole approach because we saw advertisers shut down in the second quarter and First, well, at the end of the first quarter and all of second quarter, advertisers, you saw live events started to be canceled because they couldn't happen because of COVID. How did that affect the PR business?
3: I mean, with the PR business, what we did is is we went out and tried to target entrepreneurs who really didn't have the means to pay for advertising but could have the budget for PR. So to us, we kind of used it and said, all right, we're going to try to get drum up more business and help these people that normally, you know, wouldn't be able to spend for advertising, right? Um, so I think it was actually for us it, it it did help because a lot of people really still wanted to continue. They just launched a brand and then COVID hit, and they're thinking, well, what am I going to do now? I got to keep the momentum going, mm-hmm. and so that's where we came in. Um, but it's more just us getting our name out there and you know making making ourselves known and branding ourselves, which is hard to do when you're busy with a bunch of clients.
8: You absolutely. know, so it's absolutely. I'm talking to Megan Bennett, my fantastic friend from Kansas City. That's a barbecue country, for those who don't travel that much. Um she's a CEO president of Light Years Ahead. That the the Light Years, the Light, that's named after the owner of the uh, the uh founder the name Yes, was-
3: the founder of the company, Betty Light, who is my mentor and I worked with her for over eighteen years and still working with her. So.
8: so how did you guys connect? When you throw out the word mentor, so
3: I mean, she is my 100% mentor. So when I moved out to Los Angeles after college, I started working at this Internet company doing, quote, unquote, public relations. But it ended up more being like a customer service shipping job. Right. And so after six months, I'm 22 years old, and I'm like, okay, this is not what I want to do. So I started to apply for other jobs, and I, I reached out through UCLA job track and this lady interviews me for a job and it's Betty. And uh we just immediately clicked and she called and she hired me and she said, Believe me, when you're done, you should be paying me for all the stuff that you're gonna learn when you work for me. Because it's like going back to college and getting like a huge education in PR. I mean, I was thrown into the wolves right away and within a month I felt secure and I had really learned so much that I just kept going and I've never stopped. And it's been, I mean, I'm mean, i 41 now, and it's been the same job I've had and the passion that I've had for, you know, 18 years. And I don't plan to ever stop doing it because I love it so much.
8: <laughs> well, well, that, 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 you're a great talker. You know, you're, you're, you're a very attractive person. I've seen your, your photos on the social media. You can't get away from seeing people. You click a photo, LinkedIn accounts, photo pops up.
3: I know, yeah
8: You gotta have that Gotta have that photo, gotta have that look down pat nowadays Why do you love yeah. it so much? You know, because of the fact that I, I enjoy communication I My degree is in mathematics I've done stand-up, I've managed talent And as you've managed talent You're dealing with brands, you're dealing with marketing You're dealing with crisis management So there's so many things that you wake up to That can change in an instant Yeah Is that what I, you love I, about it? That, that, I,
3: love, that, that I love making people happy. So, like, for me, it is a high every day when I get up and I get my client on the Today Show or, show or Real Simple or the Doctors or, you know, just like when I get that placement and I, and I generate interest and I pitch something and then the media says, you know, you're going to be on today. And then sending a placement to the clients and to these entrepreneurs and small businesses and seeing them light up and getting so excited that they're in Forbes, that is what makes me tick. You know, just right. like helping people and helping them build their brands and going from nothing to like a household name. I don't know. It's like a high for me. I can't explain it, but it's every day I get up and I'm excited to work because I love what I do.
8: Well, let's, first of all, let me just explain to everybody. What she just said is not easy. First of all, so there's a grind. And so it is your touchdown. It is your three-point shot sometimes. It is your championship moment when you're able to get – a a print article or or a high-profile radio interview or an appearance on a high-profile local show or national show. Both of them can have their benefits if you're able to achieve it. And so because that's part of your brand. So the interesting part about being a PR company, you also have to be able to market your brand so people can recognize your success story. So it's kind of like two things you're doing there. You're a PR company. You do PR for me, but also you have to do PR for yourself that's that, exactly That's really interesting
3: and you get rejected a lot i mean that's one thing i get rejected almost every day from somebody sending a nasty email but i just think it's hilarious at this point i used to when i first started i had to do it on the phone and people would hang up and so right. it just gave me a very thick skin and now it's like who's going to reject me today you know? right
8: right 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 because in, in, in the end you know that, that's the the word is they can only say no Exactly, but it also and if ties they to no, you know, you try again <laughs> Yeah, but it's also tied to you building relationships, so you'll be able to have a comfort zone when you pick up that first. Oh, this is Megan. Okay, what you got? Okay, and they 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 know you provide a certain type of uh, uh, content for their their, exactly. their show, the radio show. So how was it? How, how difficult, or is it even difficult to build those type of relationships?
3: But I've been doing it for so long. And just because my personality is sort of like, I just don't, I have a thick skin. I don't care if somebody's going to reject me <laughs> and I'm nice to everybody. And so it's just worked. And I've built these relationships since i have in my 20s. And now people reach out to me, the media, if they have stories, you know, they contact me, which is awesome.
8: So I love what you say. I got I thick skin. It doesn't matter to me. Say no. No, I'm ready. (laughs) but but you didn't always have. Come on now, come on now, you know you didn't always have the thick skin. You know, you you you, 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 know, at certain times people again because people call me and I go, I try to explain to them that's not me. And I did finish I just have to hang up. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Just gotta say click, click, click is the magic word sometimes. And so, but I know that's not comfortable to hear click or you got the wrong number or that's not me click so what 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 got you past? we talk. we got people who are listening who who want to get in the PR business who maybe the nose maybe winning right now in their lives their lives how can they uh, how can they overcome the no disaster in their lives
3: i mean for every no you're gonna get a yes. So like yes. I say for every rejection, and it was hard at the beginning when I first was like smiling and dialing on the phone. And then my mentor, Betty was like, Megan, <laughs> don't take it personal. Like this is not even your company. You're just trying to do this. You do the best you can. And if they don't like it, ask somebody else. So, and that's so what
2: Meg, I do.
8: Like, So uh, Megan, you were happy getting on the phone.
2: <laughs> Hello,
12: was, this is Megan,
2: yes. oh my God. <laughs> But
3: you know what? For every click, I'd make another 20 calls and I'd get one that was interested in sending me samples. So it's like, and I say this with the media too, if you're trying to pitch your brand and you reach out to one person at Forbes that says no, reach out to another person there. Or if they say no to one thing, pitch something else because a no can turn into a yes For something else and that happens to me all the time i might get somebody that maybe first says why are you reaching out to me i don't cover this topic and instead of me just being like i'm sorry bob i'll say i'm so sorry but you know since i have your ear do you cover this and then sometimes they do
8: now here's interesting now uh, you know light years ahead that's the agency or the uh, company that you the ceo and president of been there 12 years they well actually
3: a... that was incorrect. It's been 18. I don't oh. know why I had 12, but I'm sorry.
8: Yeah, okay. I'm so, older. See, so, 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 so you're messing over your boy. Okay? You know, we, we're, supposed to be, we're supposed to have a, a relationship. Got bad information in front of me like right here. My next guest. <laughs> sorry. Let, me, let, me, let me reintroduce her right now. My next guest is the CEO <laughs> slash president of Light Years Ahead. She's been part of Light Years Ahead team for over 18 years. 18 (laughs) years. She's an expert in implementing solid PR programs and clients from different parts of this country. Now, you have an office in Los Angeles, New York, Kansas City, and Dallas. So that's East Coast. I got Los Angeles. That's West Coast. That's Hollywood. New York, Mm -hmm. that's the media capital of the world. Kansas City, Mm -hmm. that's Midwest. I have to believe that's the Midwest zone. And then Dallas, that's South. Is, is, uh, uh, Is there a reason for these locations or Oh, you just wanted to move back to Kansas or just that's where you're from. Yeah.
3: When I started, I'm from Kansas City. And then when I, I lived in L.A. for 10 years and then I was like, I got engaged and we decided, you know what, this is the cost of living here is crazy. It is. Let's move back to Kansas. We can do this from anywhere. So I moved back to Kansas. Our creative director, who was based in L.A., she moved to Fort Worth. My business partner's always been based in Manhattan, um, Chloe, and um, Betty's in Los Angeles. So we kind of are across the country now, which is great because we have our fingers on the pulse of all the different trends in the different regions. Well,
8: you're but uh, in
3: Kansas you're happy, though. in California. But you're happy then.
8: That's just the beauty of this call. Oh, oh, my gosh, yes. You know, you said someone went back to Fort Worth area, which is great. They wanted to mm-hmm. be there. You wanted to be in Kansas, Kansas yeah. City, Kansas, New York, and New York. New York is my favorite city in, in the United States. I've lived in L.A. for fifteen years. I'm very wow. familiar. I'm, I'm a Houston, Texas, born and bred, so I'm very familiar with Dallas. So each one of these, I, I can understand how each one really is different, but also how you can connect the dots between the two. Now, yeah. now, here's my question: Like when you do like. I've been, I've been a manager of talent and I've worked with a lot of different PR firms. Now, on major TV shows, do you guys accompany the talent to the TV shows or the radio shows? Or, or you just have a – how does that work?
3: Yeah. I mean, if, when we do segments with the doctors um, or segments in New York, um, you know, we try to go as much as possible because we have somebody in New York and L.A. that right. so we can accompany, accompany the, you know, the expert so yeah, but sometimes they want to go by themselves. They're used to it. They like to just go do their thing. It really depends on the client and how much hand-holding they need and also, I mean, you know, if we if we can make it, it's great. Um and for regional, yeah. I mean, whenever I do segments in Kansas City, I always attend because it's fun.
8: Well, my friend, I really want to thank you for calling on my show. Really. This is you, you know, can you come back? Can we be a, can you I be like love a, it. Can you come you and make because now I know you're 18 years in the business, okay? You know. <laughs> Now we, now I know, we and kidding. I'm only 21. How is that
3: possible?
8: <laughs> you know, and you look fantastic. But the, the, <laughs> this business is about you know if you you know I know we, I, I get emails from different um, people in your office about various clients, and I'm sure eventually I'm gonna get some of them on my show and my platform because my platform is information based platform, and so when you're specializing in lifestyle, personal health. Tech, wellness, food, beauty, less grooming products, services, and personality, and you're gonna get that that scale to me, that, that that thermometer to me, as well, so I can put it yes. in my newsletter, right?
3: Absolutely, I'm getting it to you.
8: Okay, my friend, I want to appreciate I appreciate you. And, and any any closing remarks, and we any numbers we need to call, any the websites you need to give out, because you you know you still got to do PR. I know I'm interviewing <laughs> you, but you still got to sell your company. Now, anything you got to sell right before you leave? <laughs> absolutely I can help you um, Megan
3: that. at com, and my my uh, website is lightyearsahead.com
8: <laughs> well my friend we're going to talk soon and again get that to me uh, I know Samantha is probably going to contact you and, and we're going to move forward awesome. and keep building this relationship and you stay safe out there in this pandemic world alright
3: you too. Thanks
8: for having me on. It's been a blast. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. We talk soon. Miss 18 years in the game, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> too much. Take Bye-bye. Care. bye Bye. <laughs> all right. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to MoneyMakingConversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host.
0: In this season of giving, Kohl's has gifts for all your loved ones. For those who like to keep it cozy, find fleeces, sweaters, loungewear, blankets, and throws.
6: still living in 2021 and manually taking notes there is a better way start the new year with otter.ai automatically get meeting notes otter.ai works for virtual meetings like zoom microsoft teams and google meet sign up on the web for free or download in the app stores otter.ai that's O-T-T-E-R.ai.
5: sticky notes email alerts a string around your finger they're just not big enough so here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tomorrow's Mega Millions jackpot is over 300 million. Whew! Play now. Please play responsibly, must be 18 years or older to purchase player funds.